Hi guys and welcome to the show. For this week's episode of the podcast, I've gone right back to where it all began. This week's guest is the person that actually gave me my initial break into the world of podcasts. He gave me a platform uh, to get my message out there about medicinal cannabis, the endocannabinoid system, and for that I am forever grateful. I appeared on his show back in July and I finally pinned him down to return the favour. His name is Steve Katazi. The focus of his podcast, Adaptation, is all things self-optimization. So think of diet, nutrition, supplementation, exercise regime, the effects of alcohol consumption, you name it, and he's covered it. And he's had some really incredible guests. I do recommend you check him out, and all of the links are in the podcast bio. He's an extremely articulate individual with a knack for analysing the data, and very often he pulls apart the narrative to expose the, the fear-mongering that's being pushed, especially by government and mainstream media. And as with most of the nation, probably most of the planet, the last nine months of his life have been totally dominated by COVID-19. And what I do love about his approach, especially on his Facebook page, is he's not afraid to say what many of us are thinking, no matter how controversial it may be. But he does also back that up with full research. I've built a very good friendship with Steve over the last six months, and he's really helped me to establish my podcast, and his advice has been invaluable. Now, when we actually booked this in two weeks ago, I started planning the content. Um, however, with the developments in the UK over the last few days, along with what I see as a, an awakening on my social media platforms, I've decided to rip up my notes and we're going to go into this unscripted. I really hope that we produce what I know we can and I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in. So, how are you, my friend? Happy election day. Yeah, absolutely. So 3rd of November, it's a massive, massive day. We're a couple of days ahead of getting locked down again as a nation. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's up in arms at a minute. I I don't know where my head's at. I know I'm tired and fatigued by being constantly obsessed with COVID-19 and Mm. trying to effectively show show, show some truth through what is so much propaganda and scaremongering. Mm. So I'm tired. I'm a bit fatigued. But I'm an optimist, Mm -hmm. generally. And, um, it's just a very strange year, man. So I'm good. I'm happy. I'm well. Um, but at the same time, I'm not the man I normally am No, because so distracted. Exactly. So I think, I think a lot of us are, and I think it's, um, it's just one of those things. I think everyone needs a holiday, but we can't have one. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of everything, everything. Yeah. It just seems to be sort of building up to this, this crazy crescendo. I mean, what do you think it's all about? I mean, again, I mean, I, we're going to go into it in this conversation and obviously I'm going to point people to your, to your Facebook page so they can gain a bit of um, sort of a background as to the, the approach uh, that you're kind of taking. But um, obviously things don't stack up. What is it all about? Do you know what? It's, you know, anything I say in response to this is, is going it, to... Is so easily judged because I don't know and you don't know. So That's there right. is a lot of hypotheses and speculation mm-hmm. um, and conspiracies being thrown around. So I want to be careful not to say that I know because I clearly don't. But if you look at the overarching trend or theme of this year, surveillance, increasing surveillance seems to be from a kind of globalist's mindset good for the world and surveillance takes in many guises whether it be surveying your financial transactions surveying your interactions on social media surveying your biometrics uh, surveying your movements but generally we are an in in an increasingly surveillance state Mm. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we know China do this very well and they manage their people to the point that they, they have the leading economy right now. Whilst we don't know it and we still believe the US is still, you know, the superpower, we know China are creeping up on them and they are very close, if not already taken over. Mm-hmm. So we look at that and I think whilst um, capitalism uh, without control and without regulation is a bad thing and therefore we do need to regulate it we need to put some controls in place that it'd be better to have greater equality and equity all that kind of makes sense inclusivity um you know more solidarity between nations though those are the buzzwords yeah of this year but surveillance seems to be key and then the second thing that seems to be key is a push towards convincing the world that we should be immunizing you every single year because if we do so we take out what would otherwise be uh uh, immunization regime just for the young and just for the very old and we now enable immunization um, schedules to basically be part of everyone's life which means the government ngos establishments and pharmaceuticals have a relationship with the individual with their healthy or not on an annual or maybe you know more frequently basis to provide you with some injectable Mm -hmm. and that injectable right now is inoculating you against COVID-19. What will that injectable be next year? And I'm not trying to say, you know, there's nano chips in here and they're going to be doing all sorts, all sorts of weird stuff, but that's absolutely on the cards. Transhumanism is part of the fourth industrial revolution. At some point in time, we will be embedding stuff into our body and that may come in um, the, the vial of a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. But there definitely is a push towards increased surveillance, which in- includes increased control of the population. And vaccines seem to be front and center of anything you look at. Uh, and therefore, I'd say pull that, pull that away. Look at the World Economic Forum. Look at the WHO. Yeah. Look at the conductors of the orchestra. Yeah. And you find very few people that are effectively writing the Bible. And they're all funded by one specific place. And how we navigate the future. Only two or three organizations are are describing that Bible Mm -hmm. and every single country is following it to a T. So I'm not saying there's conspiracies between New Zealand and Australia and UK and Germany and France. And, you know, I'm not saying these guys are working together. They're just singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. And that is what we're seeing. Yeah, and we're and we're and again, it's going unchallenged, which is possibly one of the more sort of concerning parts. It's funny you should say about the increased surveillance because, like you say, again, conspiracy theories are there when they're given sort of some sort of uh, uh, some air to fan the flames. Uh, I think, and and when you sort of talk about the increased surveillance, I mean, last year, I mean, there there are there are videos doing the rounds on social media of Boris Johnson and various other leaders talking at the UN summit, and Boris Johnson is specifically talking about increased surveillance, uh, the fact that we can hide our medical records from our loved ones, our, our sort of our doctor uh, and, and even our employer, but it's very hard to, to hide it from Google. And he's actually going on about sort of the nanotechnology that has been um, sort of designed, obviously the nanotechnology that's there from a, a, a medical point of view to, to obviously snuff out those viruses. Um, and, and again, it just adds fuel to this this sort of fire or the, uh, that, that seems to be going on. And, and it, I'm not saying it necessarily adds um, validity because it doesn't, it's just one... Uh, strand in, in in sort of many strands of this this really complex and strange um, sort of world we find ourselves in. But a, a lot of the things that the conspiracy theorists go on about and that they've been sort of panned for over the years, they do seem to be actually happening and almost in 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 order. So I mean, I'm not saying all of them, 
But there is a lot of things out there that obviously don't feel right. And I think a lot of people are starting to feel that, um, certainly on my social media. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's. it's easy to look at people that are planning for the future mm. and say that they are attempting to manipulate the population into some dystopia. Definitely. It's yeah. easy to say that because someone's planning, then they must be bad. Mm. And I don't think that way, Nikki. I don't, no. I don't think because the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and the UN and, you know, other, you know, globalist type um, institutions are looking forward that that's inherently a bad thing. Sure, you should sure. be looking forward. You know, you look at China and they're, they are, they have, you've got to just, just bear in mind what China is, right? They, they're a communist state that that's driven exclusively by the government, all the finances, all the jobs, all the systems, all the, all of society has got this very strong kind of hub and everything feeds off of that. They glo- they own everything Certainly. and therefore they, they give you what they want to give you and they control you how they want to control you. It's a beautiful system if the people within that system want it or are okay with it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they have. They can plan, Nikki, they can plan 30 years in advance. They can say, okay, what's coming down the pike? We need to have more robotics in our offices. You know what? Every time a new office is opened, there is a regulation that you must inform, you must include some form of robotics. Sure. They can make it so progressive and um, pervasive that if they have an idea around, um, you know, increased surveillance, they can deploy it because every business has to answer to the state. Sure. No one has individualism in that regard because there's overall governance, control and direction. So then when you think of managing a, a couple of billion people, and doing it so well, so coordinated, and having such huge stockpiles of cash, you then look at the Western culture, and I think the Western culture have realized we are losing this battle of trade and potentially, you know, imperialization, but potentially, no, who, the, the strong, um, unilateral strength is a scary thing for the world. Because mm. when one superpower becomes so strong and so advanced, we're, all up shit creek, right? So I think there's an imperative that we can't allow China who can organize themselves well and who can have strategy that lasts 10 or 20 years because they don't have they don't have parliament parliamentary elections. They don't, you know, have you know labor in one minute, conservatives in the next, and they can't therefore plan more than two or three years. They can plan 20 years in advance because they've got stability of their government, right? If we look at Western cultures, we are anarchy. You know, there's all this freedom and capitalism, which means it's incredibly hard to manage. Democracy is a shit show for managing long-term strategy. Yet we are trying to manage long-term strategy because if we don't, China will continue to have inroads physically, both um, figuratively and um, literally, into all parts of the world for all of their resources. And they will continue to grow in their, you know, technologically progressive way and if we don't progress at the same speed there's there's an idea that maybe we're doomed you know all non-china states all non-russia states could be um in trouble so i think there's an imperative for the world economic forum and those kind of individual uh, organizations to plan a future which is more inclusive that um tries to resolve some of the inequalities that tries to resolve some of the the gaps that are forming between western cultures and china but at the same time nikki 
we the people need to be told about this and sure. we're not and that i think is the the concern i have is there is conspiracy mm. there is planning and we as the individuals are just fed a load of lies about what we have to do and why it's all propaganda we don't get told the truth of why we're behaving this way and what things are coming down the pike and why they're coming down the pike and actually it's got nothing to do with covid19 but it's to do with transformation of economy and society so we are relevant in the future sure and i think also that opens up another paradigm that it's it's uh, human nature especially the free west human nature not to be uh, living in a what they would perceive as a dictatorship and i think to, to have the model that uh, the chinese do i mean i'm not stating that uh, uh, it's it's a, a, a bad place to live i've never been there um, but obviously there are quite a few reports with regards to uh, the sort of, uh, I suppose, the standards of living, uh, human rights sort of issues. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the one main reason they've been able to forge their way through uh, is since being given a, a sort of a free pass in, into the, the World Trade Organization and and obviously a lot of um, uh, sort of benefits uh, on the financial side. Um, that coupled with the fact that they're able to uh, pretty much put their, their, their people into what we would class as slave labor for the, for the money they pay them, allows them to be super competitive with what they're sort of delivering as well. So again, it's it's one of those things. It's I mean, we've come from an extremely, or we're in it, uh, an extremely, or it's getting less by the day, but an extremely free society. Uh, and actually getting across to us that uh, for the good of our country, um, uh, we need to almost kind of, and I think the same with this this, this virus sort of thing, that for the good of the country, we almost have to sort of uh, forego our, our sort of rights that we, we were kind of born with. And I think that's going to be something that if it is the way that we go and, and it is the direction that people want to take it, I mean, obviously it, it's uh, it's one of the conspiracies is that that uh, a lot of the Western world wants to go down that sort of far left socialist or, or whatever sort of uh, label you want to give it or whatever label um, it's, it's being given. Uh, that does seem to be the will of, of uh, a lot of people. And and, and again, it does sure seem... it's the will of the people, man. Not people, I'm I mean, not sorry, sure so not the will of the, not the will of the people, the will of... The will of the the, the gut sorry the governing bodies the people in power um the people yes. in power again the corporations i don't want to get conspiracy theory but the corporations it's in their interest because obviously they continue to uh, to become i mean some of these corporations are, are bigger than countries you know it's it's kind of that unfortunately again another human nature is is greed and, and there are the negative sort of sides of humans as well which we can never discount when you're going down that route so if you're getting an unchallenged position you get the wrong human in that in that position what do you do in that scenario? So it's a can again. It's it's a can of a can of worms that really is going to be interesting I, I, to open. I think, I think you're right, man. There is not. It's not just about what I've just said. You know that that you know if you if you want the biggest picture, the biggest picture is the fourth industrial revolution, and sure. this is this is a seismic event. And why would you not take advantage of a crisis sure. in management speak? This is exactly that. Exactly. Take you've got to take advantage of a good crisis. And that's exactly what we're doing. This is the moment. This is the moment that organizations and institutions and NGOs and states have been waiting for to bring in a flurry of changes that would have otherwise taken decades. Oh, they totally. can institute so quickly because the world is in disarray. They're looking for solutions. They've created problems, some of which have been manifested through our response, not all of which have been because of the virus. And the only way to solve those problems is with brighter, shinier solutions. But do you know what? That solution is going to come with slightly less freedom. I'm sorry. It's going to come with slightly less, li uh, you know, civil liberty. I'm sorry. It's going to come with some mandates. I'm sorry. It's going to come with more surveillance. Hey, you know, are we in this together? Have we got patriotism? Have we got nationalism? Do we have a choice? Have we got, 
you know, we got this idea of inclusion. If we have, it's all for one and one for all. We have to act together as one. That's the messaging. And it sounds so compelling Yeah. until you step away and you say, these government leaders are psychopaths. Yep. These NGOs, <laughs> these institutions are led by psychopaths yeah. who have an egomaniac type personality. Look at Matt Hancock. He is reveling in this once in a lifetime power. Yeah. He's a bloody health secretary. Who gives a shit about health secretary normally? Exactly. Everyone's like looking at him and he loves it. Yeah. I don't know how he sleeps at night because they are lying through their teeth. Oh, but, not yeah. People don't die. No, no. And I'm not saying there isn't a problem, but they have exacerbated the problem to unprecedented levels to maintain the fears that they can manage the people in the direction they believe is best for their country and or them and or, uh, you know, money effectively economy and i know that sounds bizarre because they are crushing our economy yeah but maybe they're making way for a new economy and i kind of sense that that's the direction of travel because they're already at increasing volume nikki talking about ubi yeah ubi that's been you know living years is now like we are going to be trialing this Mm. in this country in the coming months because we have to we have to because we screwed our country up so royally did we need to hey that, that's based on opinion, but based on everything I see and based on all the data, we've over-amplified the risk to enable some change. And the change is transformative and it has to break stuff to create stuff. And right now we are breaking the stuff to create way for new things to take over. The, the, new, the new economy thing is good. It's funny you say that I actually heard something this morning, which... Um... I don't think it would be their plan for the new economy. I think it's the opposite side of the the, the plan for the new economy, i.e. not the left side. I'm, I'm going to go into kind of, I suppose, part of the presidential election. Um, part of the conspiracy is, is that obviously the left, obviously they're working on behalf of these these uh, overlords, etc. And that's where their sort of uh, interests lie. And they want to take it down this, like you say, this one, well, I suppose, end, end of the day will be this uh, kind of, I suppose, a one world government, but initially down the one sort of, uh, definitely the left-leaning side of it. Um, and, and there's actually a lot of people stating that I think, I, I know that Trump, um, didn't he take in, take on the, uh, that the, um, what's that, not the treasury, what's their version of the treasury? Uh, he basically took that off of, uh, the, the, the banking system uh, a few months back. So he's taken control of, uh, of their sort of financial systems. Uh, and there is actually sort of a lot of speak that he's going to be looking to actually bring in a new sort of banking system, um, sort of kind of away from the current banking system and, the, and, and what we call the banking families. Again, very, very deep stuff. And it does seem to have quite a few um, a sort of uh, uh, very, very sort of legitimate pieces of, uh, of clues that could, it could be the case. So again, so much does seem to sort of rest on, on this, even though it's across the pond and we don't even live there. I mean, never have I been brought into the, the sort of a, a presidential election in, in America like I have this time round. Um, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, I asked <laughs> to a friend of mine. Why, why do we care about what's going on in the states? I normally can't stand the states, right? I can't stand anything they stand for because it, it just all feels greedy, and it um, it's just a mess. And their food is crap. Their healthcare is rubbish, and like yada yada yada. Like I don't care about them. Like, I know I know that they're, they're kind of losing their way from a health perspective, and they're losing their superpower against China. But you know, I thought that's that's just America. I don't want to trade deal with America and buy their chlorinated chicken. Thank you very much. Right. You know what I mean? So I've always been dismissive. Yeah. But right here, right now, as much as I am not political, this year has forced me into caring about the politics of our world because what happens today um, will have 
just, you know, we think we're going through seismic change right now, but it will either, it can go in, you know, a dark direction or a really dark direction, depends yeah. on who who gets in play. Definitely. Um, it's funny, you know, because I, I, I am libertarian, I'd say by, by choice. Um, definitely, you know, I don't definitely connect with all right wing no. values, not at all. Um, I actually get frustrated with capitalism and I, I see much of the darkness of it. So I want you to know that I am not some kind of right bigoted individual. No, ditto. I see a lot of value in what the left represent, but I am incredibly scared of how these um, incredibly wealthy individuals have created this disguise of utopia being sold to the left and it's created this extreme left this naive young extreme right. left position that we uh, we must break and destroy everything we currently have to start again and our, all i hear is technocratic socialist extreme dystopia i don't see it any other way and i think it's it's bizarre because you've got the uber wealthy dictating and encouraging those that feel deprived or those that feel um, that they don't have equality, they are, they're geeing them up. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't represent that group, but no. they found the way to speak to the people that feel divided or separate or have, you know, identity issues or have inequality issues. These uber wealthy have geeed up the deprived and got them to vote for something that will ultimately hurt them more. Again. We, we, we can't have that because <laughs> we're it, not going to have equality. We're not going to have, we're not going to have the world they think they're going to have. It no. is going to lead in time, not tomorrow, but it is going to lead in time to a direction of everyone becoming increasingly more offended, mm -hmm. increasingly more tribal. Yeah. Um, uh, equal outcome is not a world I want to live in. I want to live in a world of equal opportunity. Definitely. But yeah. Increasingly, the, the, the pitch is equal outcome. And that's UBI and that's basically, you know, useless class type ideas yeah. by Yuval Harari. And I just don't want that, man. No, and, and again, what they fail to realise on that is equal opportunity means everyone's got the opportunity to get to do it if they want. Equal outcome actually also then has the option to force people to do something they don't want. So the outcomes are level. Um, so people don't realise that. So someone, may, uh, so Jordan Peterson gives a very good example of that. He's like, well, if you tell women and men that they all have the equal opportunity and women still choose to go for those caring positions because it is, in general, generality, more in line with their their sort of personalities and and their interests. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? You're then going to go start forcing uh, women to start becoming mechanics, and you're going to start forcing men to become nurses. I mean, again, but using those as a, uh, just a, um, examples. Um, but I think you can you can very clearly see that uh, opportunity uh, is definitely what we need, not not outcome. Because again, that that is far too far too hard to. Uh, to ensure we actually get delivered on. It's funny you should it's actually. Deep, hasn't it? Yeah. No. Well. No. I, th I think. I think. Again. I think that's the, the the really strange thing is is all these things are, are separate things I've been looking at over the last two years in my journey, um, and every single thing so, uh, coming onto the American sort of uh, uh, election. The, the only reason I'm actually interested in these things is because they are all linked. So when you actually start tugging at all of the um, uh, the the information that you're finding, even if it's down to the, the the sort of information that's being released and the retractions and the changes and whatever it might be, that they are all links. You end up sort of going across the pond to see how it's going in America. Uh, conversations with people like Jordan Peterson become very, very relevant because you can see that that is actually an agenda. The, the sort of equality of outcome is an agenda. 
uh, that they're going to try and force this across. And, and again, it just creates more polar op- uh, polar sort of uh, arguments between people that have different views, and it just it feeds into the to the whole sort of narrative. It's really funny you should say about the um, the left actually becoming. Uh, a lot of young, angry, sort of riotous sort of individuals. I, I think today uh, Trump's actually signed an executive order, which obviously won't mean anything if he doesn't get re-elected. Uh, but the day before he gets re-elected, he's signed an executive order called the 1776 Commission, um, and it's to stop the radical indoctrination of students and restore patriotic education for our schools. And the really, really funny thing about that is 1776, again, this is going to go conspiracy theory because by nature it is, 1776 is the year that the Freemasons were formed. Um, it's the year that the Jesuits and, and the Masons joined together to start the Freemasons. And again, if you look into the conspiracy theory, they're the people that are supposedly the ones that are running the banks, running the, the media, the, the big conglomerates that, uh, and corporations that we're, we're sort of talking about. So again, it's one of those things. I look at that and think, I, I put it in the background and, I, and until it's disproven, it's a potential. I try not to get sort of too dragged into the sort of Q side of things. But it, I've got to a point now where I don't discount anything until it's been disproved. Uh, and that doesn't include just someone saying in a paper, it's been debunked. <laughs> you know, I need actually uh, information where it has been debunked. There's so many examples of that, as we know. Um, oh, I mean, just, just to give you two, two things off that. Yeah. Um, there's a book called um, Coddling of the American Mind. I forget the author's name. Uh, it's a recent book over the last couple of years. Uh, he's on the Joe Rogan show. So um, okay. maybe we can grab his... Uh, is the author's name after this. Yeah. Um, but it was a great book. It was a book um, to explore basically college life and how with the invent of iPhone in your pocket, you know, it was about 2010, 2012, and basically a, um, a growing helicopter parenting style that emanated from the 80s when they, everyone was scared of you know kids getting molested and so forth so we we, yeah. we just you know constrained and constrained our kids experience to protect them uh, including people becoming more wealthy and having the opportunities to do so is that we've created this school culture that's going in america as far far into kindergarten yeah. but absolutely by secondary school and absolutely within college there's this idea of you can't offend anyone. You can't say anything that's offensive. They're, they're going through history, literature, and saying you can't talk about that anymore because yeah. it's offensive. I'm like, hang on a minute. It's, 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 it's 200 all- years ago. It's important you understand what happened in the past so you don't repeat it and you do something different. But this feeds and in. It's incredible because it talks about the suicide rates. It talks about um, the... Um, identity issues these kids are having. It's talking about these boycotts and protests when they get speakers into the university university lecture halls. Mm. And it's just this unwillingness. And you've got to bear in mind in the States, they have this system where it's really expensive to go to university. Therefore, the the, the faculty treat it like a service and they're yeah, trying yeah. to create the best service for the kids. But the kids are privileged, right? Mm. Because they have to be with the kind of cash that they're getting paid per annum to go there. And they expect safe zones, safe zones. It's it's not physical safety. They want emotional safety so they're never challenged. And that will create something the book calls anti-fragility. No, fragility. And what he's suggesting you need is anti-fragility. You don't want to be a china plate because then life ain't going to work out too well. You want to be robust. You want to be able to be thrown around, challenged, and be able to get out of that in one piece. So I would definitely recommend that book. And the second thing, just keying off of what you said, is I try and produce factual content. 
uh, I say I try, uh, everything I do is based on, you know, either scientific work that I've been able to understand myself, I get the citations, I provide you with the sources, or increasingly what I'm doing is working through the data. So the COVID data, yeah. ONS data, um, public health data across the world, uh, across the world, I'm putting together and mashing up and trying to give different perspectives, perspectives you don't see through mainstream media. And I shared a piece, it was a video by a guy called Dr. Yeadon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's becoming very prominent. Uh, he's a very interesting individual, incredibly credentialed in the field of respiratory disease. Pfizer. Uh, retired uh, VP yeah. uh, of research within Pfizer. And I shared a video, half an hour of him speaking to a lady called Anna Bruce. Yeah, yeah I know the one. I watched the video. It's completely, you know, factual. Some of it was opinion based, but it was opinion based, and you could see where he was drawing an opinion and where he was talking about fact. I shared that, got shared very widely, and then I got a warning on my page for sharing misinformation. It got flagged as a false false piece of information. I then clicked on the um, the debunked article, yeah. and it's by an American who, and the article was written two weeks before the interview two weeks before the interview and described how the things he was talking about are factually incorrect. And I'm now penalized for that. Yeah, Me as a, as a company, as an individual, we have a warning on our, on our page. Our, our reach is therefore going to have to be reduced. I have, I'm threatened that potentially I could have further restrictions in my distribution and potentially revoked access to Facebook because I shared something of someone who's well-intended yeah. that spoke the truth that did, you know, created mm -hmm. a delineation between facts and his opinion. Yeah. And it was debunked with an article written two weeks before he even spoke about things that are not proven to be done and dusted, conclusive and factual is the opinion of the author based on opinions of other authors that he cited. It's disgusting. Yeah. The world that we're, we're, we're increasingly living in, this level of censorship that's being dictated by private institutions, not by governments, by private institutions. And the last thing I'll say is I run an email, I run a business that has a, an email newsletter, right? Yeah. An increasing growing newsletter, weekly newsletter. And the service provider of that kind of, it's called an email marketing platform. They're called MailChimp. Yeah. Sent me notice a couple of days ago to everyone, every one of their customers that, in their sole discretion, they can remove emails or completely deplatform you from their email service should they deem the information you're sharing to be considered misinformation, uh, especially attributed to important events. So, I'm like, what? Email, yeah. which is supposed to be that safe zone where you can speak with outside of the, algor uh, you know, the algorithmic yeah, yeah. control of these social media platforms, has now instituted under their sole discretion without describing what that means and what systems they're going to use their kind of Bible of truth, mm -hmm. they, with what they think to be true or not, can start censoring my communication to my customers through email. What world are we living in, Nicky? What world are we living insane. in? It's ridiculous. It's funny you should mention Mike uh, Yearden. It's actually my friend's auntie's brother. No way. <laughs> yeah, so just to let you know that it has been completely corroborated and verified that he is a genuine person that, again, but stands by every single <laughs> word that. that he says. Yeah, so yeah, former CSO and VP for respiratory research at Pfizer. Uh, yes. Very, very, very um, highly regarded person, along with um, Dr. Hull, uh, Carl Hennigan, Professor of Evidence-Based Medicine in Oxford Uni, came out yesterday 
uh, and point out a very, very sort of um, clear and obvious fact that um, whatever your opinion on COVID, our government on Saturday when they came out with their their sort of announcement were, were citing three-week-old um, data, um, data that's actually still based on our um, sort of March estimates of 1% death. Um, so that was supposed to be the on... Model, the modelling is bogus. Our it's modelling is insane. Bullshit. I mean, I've I've got I've ripped through that because yeah. uh, they shared they shared basically four different paths, four yeah. different models, yeah. uh, and one of them looks maybe remotely possible, but mm. really it isn't. No. Uh, but the, the the other three are complete fallacious hyperbolic statements that can never ever be true, given your if you understood life the life cycle patterns yeah. of viruses, disease states, and ep- epidemics. They would know if they were subject matter experts, they would know they'd put their maths aside and say, my maths has to be built on the context of my context of my subject matter expertise in this field. I need to understand the dynamics of immune systems, immunity of the population. I need to understand the dynamics of prior um, epidemics. I need to understand the dynamics of this virus. There's so many things you need to understand. And yet they're just doing mathematical models like like I was in secondary school, just like going, oh, what does the data say without understanding what the data is talking about and whether that data can repeat itself, whether it can go to these heights, is it even possible? They're Not- describing one of those models. They're describing we can have more deaths per day than Brazil, who have a population, what, five times bigger than ours? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. And Valence knows that, and I'm just... I, I hope one day, Nikki, that there are criminal judicial reviews conducted into people that are clearly complicit with hoodwinking the population, fearing, you know, fear-mongering them, being very selective with effectively very myopic data. Yeah. Right. What I mean by myopic data is that all we get, man, all we get every single day is COVID stuff by itself. Yeah, yeah. How many deaths did we have yesterday? How many deaths did we have today? How many people in hospital? Relevance next How many to other things. In hospital mm. Yesterday, it's all based on this very narrow lens, which is useful, granted. And the world gets complicated once you start adding extra layers. But the extra layers are really important. Like, They're I want to know how many people were in hospital this time last year. I want information to be available across every NHS trust and across the country. It should be readily available so I can compare where we are today. Yeah both the COVID stuff and the other non-COVID stuff and what it was like last year, what the proportions are to see and understand if we have a contextual problem, but they don't provide any context. They just give you our numbers, cases and deaths. And let's be clear, the cases are fabricated, you know, because we use a a completely unjustified regime of testing. That's going to get a lot worse. I don't know if you've seen the Liverpool news today, but it's going to get a hell of a lot worse. And we're getting hoodwinks completely the data has been completely polluted because if you've got bad case data and you're not defining the case as someone with signs and symptoms, you're just defining them as a result of a positive test. Everything gets muddied very quickly. And what we're left with people like me that are trying desperately to work through government data is I can't parse out facts from fiction anymore No, because they're they're intertwined. If I can't do it, and I'm someone who is te- technically, mathematically, you know, literate, know how to work through systems and databases and mm-hmm. Excel and APIs. And, you know, I've got a statistical, you know, training. If I can't do it, what chances are you anyway? supposed to do it? Exactly. I'm mean, just receiving, you know, news from BBC and Guardian. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, it's, it's like little things like we, we all know that science moves and that's what they've kind of used as their 
their sort of defense, especially in the early months. And we sort of took it. Yeah, we're finding out more about it. We sort of pivot, we move. The very fact is, is, is all of those things you've mentioned that they should be doing, uh, looking at last year, really analyzing the data, et cetera, going into it. They're not even doing the basics. They're not even amending uh, their their sort of standpoint where they started. So I'll give you an example. I think you might have seen it. I posted it on Facebook um, yesterday. So that the the sort of projections they used on Saturday, um, that basically stated that by Sunday just gone, we would have been at a thousand cases based on the one percent deaths. Now the the death has been, the death rate has been adjusted worldwide to about zero point two. Um, now when you look at the amount of deaths we had on Sunday, which was two hundred. If you take uh, ten, uh, one whole thing and divide it by five, which is a fifth, that is zero point two. So quite easily, you could have uh, gone on the correct sort of um, sort of uh, standing data to start your your sort of uh, your, your sums, and then you're going to get nearer. The fact is, they're not changing that original position, so therefore, everything that comes from it is going to be is going to be sort of like worst case scenario. It's actually going to be sort of uh, fanning the fear. Um, I just I don't know. I just think that that's the issue I have as well. Is there's a clear manipulation? Now, no matter what is at uh, at the heart of it. I mean, I don't know. Are, are the government just the most stubborn people on the planet, and and they're just scared to admit they got it wrong, or is there something deeper going on? And that's why why I think there's so many people out there that are just kind of really really want answers as to what why would they do why would they do this? I mean, they're being questioned by a lot of professionals, and these are professionals that aren't government backed. Uh, they're putting their livelihoods on the line. They're putting their reputations. They're putting their futures on the line uh, to come out and speak out. And automatically, that the, the sort of uh, general population seems to already be con- uh, conditioned to completely sort of uh, put to one side what they're saying and brush it under the carpet. I just think that even if you're not going to believe, it's not. I'm not saying believe everything they say. Listen to it. Don't just go on and say conspiracy theory without lo- looking at it. And that's one thing that's blown me away throughout this whole thing. The amount of conversations I've had with people where they've argued to their blue in the face that I'm wrong about something that they refuse to even look at. I don't understand. How can you ever be in a position? I would never, ever put myself in a position where I was arguing with anybody about something I knew nothing about. That's just crazy. What, but we've got people doing it all the time. to there is outs- lazy outsourced thinking. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I upset any listeners here, but I think the super majority of this country and the world, quite frankly, have been conditioned, not their fault, have been conditioned to be lazy outsourced thinking where they outsource their thinking to authorities. Yeah, exactly. We've got this culture of appealing to authorities. You need to be a doctor or a professor, but only a doctor or professor in this camp. Exactly. (laughs) Because if you're a doctor and professor in this camp, I don't want to hear about you because you're not the scientific consensus. I I want to listen to the populist view and i want to listen to people with loads of credentials to their name i can't possibly listen to anyone else that isn't a doctor or hasn't got you know a master's in x y and z and isn't saying what i want to hear sure it's ludicrous and i you know i get a lot of love when i say that to the people that are engaging with my page because i'm saying you know what i don't care who you are i don't care whether you're you're driving a van as your job or you're a brain surgeon. I don't care. You know, I studied aeronautical engineering. I actually I, I terminated that um, uh, that bachelor's a year or so in because it just, it was boring the pants of me. But, you know, I, I done very well in school. I done very well in college, in maths, uh, science, uh, in design. I'd studied further maths, uh, advanced maths. I went into st- st- statistics. Yeah. I went to study aeronautical engineering at imperial college like like i'm not an idiot no exactly but 
I don't promote that to anyone because you know what? Who I am doesn't matter. No. What matters is do I speak with respect to you? Do I put stuff out there that seems to make sense? Feel free to validate that for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, but my intent is pure. I'm I'm a truth-seeking individual. That's what the brand is all about. Uh, not because I want to be a contrarian for the sake of it, but I want the truth. And if that goes against status quo, populist opinion, I'm okay with that because yeah. I'm okay with myself and I'm okay being different. But the amount of abuse that people that follow my page and me, but it, infrequently it's becoming about me because my, my rebuttal is so strong. Yeah, yeah. But they, they just want to dismiss you offhand with an ad hominem attack exactly. that you don't know what an you're insult. talking about. You're clearly, you know, uh, you've been watching too much YouTube. Yeah. You're here a Google researcher yeah. Yeah. and you don't know what you're talking about. I won't listen to you. I'll listen to the doctor or my A&E friend. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. The medical institution is indoctrinated into the way of thinking in that domain. You know that, right? You know, exactly. do it, doing alternative health stuff. Exactly, yeah. That doesn't mean they're bad people. Right. I think everyone who's gone into medicine has gone into it for the right reasons. Yeah. But when you're effectively in golden handcuffs to your institution and you're working 70 hours a week, how much time are you spending investing in the science and exactly. updating your knowledge and understanding are you even willing to do that because you've got a pride of your education of where you've gone to and how many years you studied and what you learned and what you've remembered? Because let's face it, a lot of, a lot of healthcare is about memorizing stuff exactly. that you get taught through these textbooks. So I understand that they are, have some capability and they, they are closer to healthcare than maybe your friend is. And therefore yeah. they have an opinion you should, you should listen to. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean they're a subject matter expert in virology, immunology, epidemiology, understanding the data, the current data, the empirical data. It doesn't mean that they're working with the data. It doesn't, know, doesn't mean that they even know how to, how to read a graph or how to engage with that. It doesn't mean they know where to get information. It doesn't mean they're having these discussions. It doesn't mean they're actually following the global trends and really trying to dig into it. It doesn't mean they're listening to tens of hours or you know, multiple tens of hours of, of, you know, deep scientific podcast content every single week. I'm doing that. Exactly. I mean, I've obsessed about this because it is so impactful to me, my family, my community and the world that I want to get my head straight on everything, yeah. virology, immunology. And I have gone down every one of those rabbit holes, but I've got the capability to do that. I've got the, exactly, yeah. I've got the, you know, I've got the backdrop of understanding historically and I've been in this space of understand a deep level health for the last three years. So I can go there and I'm not lost. Totally. But for you to say to me, I don't want to listen to you. Thank you very much because you don't have X, Y, or Z after your name. It's bullshit. I'll listen to you, Nikki. I don't care who you are. I'll listen to you. Now I may not agree with you, no. but I'm not going to add hominin in you. I'm not going to smear you because you're saying something different to what the populist view is. It's, it's really lazy it's insulting, it's tribalistic. And quite frankly, anyone in, or anyone I see do that, they go down in my estimations immediately because it's basically saying, I don't want to engage in this. I don't have the answers because I don't have the answers and you are upsetting my worldview and my ideology. I'm just going to call you a freak. 
job done, I won, you lost. No, you haven't. You just look like a dick. Exactly. And they, they sort of kind of, because again, they, they do tend to have numbers. Well, they, they, I mean, they were having bigger numbers a few months back. I'm, I've noticed a massive change in that on my feed. Again, I take that all of a pinch of salt. Am I also now being put in front of people that kind of share my opinions? I, I don't know. I don't think so, because I'm going on to um, things like The Independent and, and obviously uh, sort of actually... Uh, putting my sort of uh, arguments across, again, always respectively. This is one thing I was going to say, actually, is this kind of links all of these kind of things that are going on at the moment. Um, so I always put my my point across very sort of diplomatically. I always try and back it up with the the data, the science, the bits that I've, I've sort of looked at, and, and I kind of open it up for conversation. I never say, this is it, and blah, I, I'm right. I tend to throw out and say, what about this? What Have you seen this information? How do you explain that? Um, and what tends to come back, again, like you say, is normally um, a sort of an insult of some sort with no actual want to, to, to get involved in the conversation. I also find, because well, again, come back to what you were saying earlier, I'm definitely libertarian. So I used to think I was left because I do believe that we should look after people uh, in our country that need looking after. I don't think we should be looking after people that just can't be bothered. Um, you know, so, and, and again, so I, I do have a, a sort of sense of, um, I'm not conservative. I, I don't stand with conservatives in any way. However, in, in this period, I have noticed that there are a number of uh, things that I do sort of agree with. So I kind of sit in between and, uh, and, and I'm not really any one particular party. What I have found is when I do uh, agree on the right side, I tend to get absolutely bombarded with, again, with hate. And there's no, there's nobody there that wants to sort of discuss it. There's nobody who wants to have a, uh, constructive conversation about it um, and but then when I go on the other side uh, people are quite open to engaging so uh, another example you mentioned there earlier we go back to the university campuses I've seen a hell of a lot of uh, these university campuses that have had um, your, your sort of right-wing people on there your Ben Shapiro's uh, you know there's quite a few of them out there at the moment which are obviously going around to these various camp uh, camps and what I tend to find is those on the right they do tend to engage with a conversation. They do tend to put their argument across um, quite um, sort of compassmentously with uh, facts and figures, and then they ask to engage. They very, very rarely get that engagement coming back. It's always kind of, again, that sort of violent, um, sort of abusive sort of response. And I think it's very, they're all kind of mirroring each other. And that, that's the same thing. I think what's basically being happened, uh, like you said earlier, not being able to say anything without insulting somebody I think that's a, a ploy that's been put out there to the point where it's watering us down to the point where if you have a certain belief or you sit a certain side, again, Trump supporters, they're saying the biggest uh, tool he's probably got in his is Arsenal, is all of those people out there that don't want to admit they're Trump supporters. Why are we oh, in a position? 100%. But why are we in a position where, whether it be Trump or it be COVID, why are we in a position when if we're putting an alternative argument across and we're not being uh, aggressive about it, we're not... Uh, implying that people should die, all this kind of stuff. We're not being negative. Why should it be that we get written off straight away by that you're alt-right or you're this, you're that? And again, I think it's very easy. We're now people like us that sit in the middle or, or, or are quite um, away from that sort of political spectrum are, are now being dra dragged into that sort of uh, uh, Nazi profile. And I just think it's, it's a bigger picture which seems to be affecting every part of our society. And these are you know, really you know, good the, examples. The, the worst thing about that is, you know, the references of people that are protesting because they don't want to wear a mask or because they, they're protesting for your fucking freedoms. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. They're getting labeled as neo-Nazi far right, Nazis. you know, yeah. crackpots. I'm like, seriously, Nazis, 
what what is that about? It's like it's eugenics, right? It's about this idea of like a superior race. I don't stand for a superior race. No. I don't get like you know what? When this whole BLM stuff was kicking around, I did not put up a black square. No, I did either. not virtue signal once no. i actually put out a piece one or two days afterwards and i said guys i'm not okay with this no. now my kids don't see color and i don't care if you think oh that's that that's unhelpful because they need to understand you know the no. pains of the pride okay they're going to learn about that through their education no doubt mm-hmm. but i don't want them to see the color of their friends no. and they hadn't up until that point exactly. and then there's a game there's a very popular game for kids called roblox right it's absolute rubbish but um it's, it's just um it's very massive at the minute. Um, it's like a, an online kind of game, all look like bloody Lego bricks. It's horrible. <laughs> anyway, um, at the B- as the whole BLM stuff was kicking off, they went to go and play their Roblox. We're going to let them play it over the weekend. And they're in this little game and people are walking around with their BLM t-shirts oh. on a game, on a game. And I'm like, what? I don't want my kids to see colour. I I, I honestly, I think the best way you can deal with racism is at government levels, absolutely deal with any systemic racism and look look to try and address inequality of certain communities based on geographies. Because I think that really is what it is. There's some geographies, some locations, which have um, just deprived facilities. Resolve that, please do. But let's not make this about the white people being indebted to black people because all that does is it creates a divide. It worsens a divide and it creates a victim mentality of of those that don't want to be victims. I know many people of color and who are non-white in any way, shape or form. And they don't want to be called out for their non-whiteness. They want to be respected and appreciated for the person they are inclusive of their character and their career and their value system they don't want to be known as the Indian guy or the black guy. They don't. I, no. I don't know many people that do. No. And mean, yet we're being sold this idea that we need to accentuate our differences it's crazy. to resolve them. No, we don't. I, I don't get it. Now, I know I'm not deep in on this and I, I definitely don't want to be insulting. I understand lots of people have struggled in the past and in some cases absolutely still struggle now with mm-hmm. um the color of their skin impacting their opportunities. I'm not denying that that may exist in certain pockets of the world. I know my life, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I got, I grew up in Kentish town. Um, I had a very diverse culture growing up throughout for as long as I can remember, I was in a school that was diverse in primary school and in secondary school, I was listening to garage and jungle. You know, I used to go to raves where most of the kids were black. Like I am not racist. I went to work, um, in, in various businesses that had, you know, very diverse um, um, offices. And when I managed and recruited people, the color never, ever was an aspect in my decision-making. Content not their of name, character. not picture, and not them when they come in front of me. It was, what can they do the job and they've got the right character? Yeah. So I know I'm not racist. I know my mum was racist, and I think she's definitely moved from being racist when she was younger to not being racist now. Because I just look at her friends, and I'm like, yeah. I look at my, I look at my family and who they've married, and you know they're clearly not racist, right? So yeah. she's moved on. I didn't inherit her racism. What have I got to be sorry for? I've embraced anyone and everyone in my life that adds value to me, and I can add value to them. Totally. And I think that is a 
That rep- I represent a lot of people in this country, yet we're told there is major, major, major problems with racism. And I don't, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. I know there's stuff around the fringes we can resolve, and I understand people of colour, some people of colour, just like some people who grew up on, on estates all their lives, they will have a sense of identity to the the world in which they've been brought into. Yeah, you know the people they hang around with. Pressures. Who, you know, you know the fact that they might be involved in some gang stuff. They might be a bit too involved in drugs. They might, you know, be driving around in their rude boy racer car. All that kind of stuff. Like that's hard to get out of that, especially mm. if you don't have the money, the opportunity, the education to educate yourself to a higher level. But I also know lots of people that had exactly that, me included, and got out of it. And I'm not that anymore. No, exactly. Right. So there there is a path out, but you've got to choose to not be a victim. And this idea that you should identify with as a victim and people that are quote unquote non-victims have to identify as being oppressors is bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. I mean, I I kind of sort of uh, mirror what you say there. I think at the end of the day that there's 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 definitely problems in sort of an individual level. There's still some pockets of of people from from all all sort of sides of uh, of of the spectrum which have got um ideal ideal ideologies which aren't uh, acceptable okay so i'm not even just talking just about people that are racist there's people across all the spectrum that aren't quite where they should be um a lot of it's down to ignorance a lot of it's down to uh, upbringing um but i think that's becoming a minority uh, again you look at the figures over in the states yes it has happened there is obviously um there are obviously in a country that large there are going to be people that have um unsavory sort of ideas towards uh, obviously people of, of color um, but again, not systematically, not on a large scale, not, not as far as I'm concerned. And I think also the figures uh, do kind of back that up. Um, I also think that, like you say, that the the emphasis needs to be on actually changing their fortunes so that they're not actually in a position. So if you think about it, if you're in a place of depravity, a place where literally uh, there, there isn't enough to go around, naturally that's going to up the crime levels, which is going to naturally up your chances of being in a position uh, where you're going to encounter police and therefore it's going to up the chances of any kind of outcome, whether it be that person pulling a gun on the police officer or whether, uh, obviously, uh, something happening which is contestable. But I don't personally see it as um, uh, a systemic problem. And and uh, the other side of it is uh, I was watching this thing happening and I thought, you know what, this was an opportunity where I saw the entire world after the uh, the actual incident that kicked it off uh, happening where everybody was in unison they were like this needs to be sort of looked at this this case needs to be looked at in more detail and if the guy uh that the police officer that's involved uh, is actually indeed guilty then definitely needs to get uh his his just dessert so i think we missed a bit of an opportunity there but the thing that really broke the the camel's back for me i don't know if you saw it terry cruz came out um and he basically said that he didn't believe in uh, black lives matter because um, since their riots had kicked off, there were, I mean, uh, he went through the amount of children that had been killed in, in Chicago, in New York, uh, that were black by black people in that particular time. Uh, and you actually had a black CBS, I think it was CBS, uh, newsreader, uh, actually tell Terry Crews that if he wanted to have a movement for black children, that he should start his own. Uh, and that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. And I kind of thought, well, straight away, I mean, Black Lives Matter, I thought it meant Black Lives Matter. So you can't be you can't be picking and choosing stuff based on a narrative where, unfortunately, the figures don't back up what you're saying. When you actually look at the amount of um, black and white unarmed people that were, were killed by police, that there isn't a massive problem there. That there is a, a problem with these people that need to be um, they need to have an environment where police officers feel they can shop somebody in that might have that sort of way of thinking. 
Uh, but again, it's weeding out the the, the sort of um, the minute amount of people that are in there and they're still getting away with it and hiding as opposed to, to, to the whole thing. And I think, again, another, another sort of thing that uh, seems to be um, the case here. So going down to our COVID response, going down to all of these things, we seem to be at the moment always going for uh, a sledgehammer to, 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 to knock in a nail. Um, I mean, with the COVID thing, we've got a situation where we know it's uh, serious for people that are vulnerable. Um, we know it's uh, serious for a, a minority of people. Um, so why is it that everybody's paying the price for it? I mean, I used a, I used a bit of an uh, analogy the other day. It was like, if you had a house that had uh, a brick that was crumbling, would you knock the house down to replace that brick or would you just repair the brick? Um, and I think across the board, we seem to be going in with these, like, so, so again, one thing sort of happens and it's caught on camera, which obviously further down the line seems a little bit less uh, black and white than it looked in the first place. But uh, let's take it at, at its first sort of viewing of that video. We had something that happened. Um, and as I say, everybody was universally behind getting it dealt with. However, we're now burning down the whole of America um, and we're tearing down the police force. And, we're, and do you know what I mean? It's, I just think um, there's far too many opportunists that are fanning it. I do think it's a combination of um, naivety, significant naivety of the population. To not, like, for example, um, I'm not old enough to really understand uh, you know, Thatcher and the unions and that whole time, I was not old enough to understand when, you know, um, you know, the coal mines were, you know, protesting and effectively they had to ration electricity coal. and it was, you know, a darker night. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not old enough to get what that looked like no. and the control we needed to take from this kind of unionist culture, unionist culture. But I, I can, un but because I have, you know, we have parents and they're old enough and they can give us that insight and we're willing to receive it. We're not assuming our parents know nothing and no. therefore we're younger, we're smarter, we're more current. <laughs> you don't know anything that could add value to me because you're, you know, you're in a stone age. No, they tell us stories of like what it, what things were like and this is rinse and repeat and these Context. are cycles. Like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Your understanding of what you've lived through in 60 years is useful for forming an opinion. Definitely. But when you're 16 or 18 and you get told you got to be a vegan, mm. there's no other, there's no other good way but to be a vegan in this world for climate, for animal welfare, for your health. Mm -hmm. And you get indoctrinated with that. And yeah. you're too young or don't care enough to really challenge what you've been told. You just believe it as fact. And then friends around you start to do that. And that that's a rabbit hole in its own right. Yeah. Veganism latches onto people because it latches onto ethical and ideological concerns. And it completely conflates the matters it tries to uh, fight for, whether it be optimal health, whether it be animal welfare, whether it be the climate. So then you get that individual and they've just kind of got softened to this idea. I need to be active or have an, a level of activism for the injustices of people eating meat. Like how dare they? Um, that then just becomes the catalyst for younger individuals. And I'm, this isn't young against old. I still regard myself as young. So like, let's be clear. This is not, this is not bashing the young, but when you don't have life experience, Everything is it's so easy to jump at conclusions or oh, totally. take those sound bites or take the propaganda you've been fed, you know, and bring it into you, into your character, into your identity. And that is your truth. 
But the reality is when people are fighting against these systemic issues, what they're forgetting is that law is in place for a reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, you defund the police, you fuck yourself. Like there's no two ways about it, but there's this naivety or this um, hopefulness that you don't need to understand the past. You just need to look forward and assume everything that happened before you is to have been bad and Neanderthal in nature mm-hmm. and caveman-like, and that's simply not true. So I think that's our biggest problem right now is we have got, we've got, we've got social media. Let's be clear, that's the catalyst. I'm not saying social media is bad, but social media is the catalyst yeah. for spreading of information in ways which you can't control and you wouldn't have imagined before. And you have increasing levels of anger Mm-hmm. again fueled by the fact that we can speak to everyone around the world simultaneously yeah but think back to when i was a kid like i'm only 39 years old so when i was you know 10 11 12 13 14 i didn't have a phone no. internet wasn't really kind of doing anything it was just this bizarre little modem connection that <laughs> connect to like random sites it was it wasn't a thing it wasn't part no. of my life yeah. um I could only meet someone by pre-agreeing at school or, or when I last met them that we'll meet at X time at this place. Or take a chance uh, and just and, ride around just in case. Up. They might be there, they might not be there, right? <laughs> and um, if I if I had an idea, I could share my idea with my mate and maybe my other mate. Mm. And that was the extent of it. Yeah. But now I can we can we can start an idea and have it become a globally accepted idea yeah. within a matter of days. Definitely. And that's great until it isn't. And I think what we're seeing right now is it's creating, it's creating virtual communities and tribes, which are fantastic, but really what it's doing is creating tribalism and um, divide divide, because now you can divide the population into all these little sub segments of these different beliefs. And those beliefs become strengthened and strengthened because when I was young, if I had an idea, I probably wouldn't hear anyone else spout the same idea. And if I did, it was maybe just pretty much the same and we had a five minute conversation now you can spend hours and hours and hours exploring that one idea from millions of people all around the world and i I worry that the civil unrest we're seeing nikki and the civil unrest we're going to see Mm. is really the result of unregulated uncontrolled um communication that really isn't our nature to be communicating the way we're communicating so we've got to find a got to find a happier path that allows us to get all the benefits of digital and technology without it effectively ruining society. They're going to have, and to, change the the They're going to have to change the algorithm, this algorithm that puts stuff in front of you that provokes a response, uh, that, that the algorithm that uh, obviously, I th- I th- did you see, um, is it social dilemma? I have Netflix? just recently seen that. Yeah. Yes. And that's, it, it's scary, but, obvious right yeah, yeah it is it is obvious that that's the how it works but they do create this idea of dystopia that is afoot because of that but then do you know what's the solution what's the response nikki the response is well we, we have to control mm. viral misinformation yeah. okay that makes sense until who makes who so the next is. problem is who defines mm. truth mm-hmm. that is our biggest problem in 2020 is who defines truth and it literally is in the statement i've said who defines mm-hmm. truth exactly. the world health organization in 2020 define truth and that's very very scary 
definitely. Because they are wrong on so many fronts. And so all of social media, 50 or so social media platforms basically have signed up to exactly that. They go about periodically every week surveying millions of pieces of content and either removing them because they don't fit the narrative or sticking on false flags and or feeding that back into the who it's called something called infodemic they've got a program they spend shitloads of money on and they started it in january because they knew this was coming to basically um try and combat um the misinformation or their their perceived dissenting opinion of what they're trying to present so they they have a relationship for example with facebook they review two million messages every single week to get a read of the sentiment on uh, Facebook related to things, you know, associated to COVID-19. That, as I say, informs censorship and flagging, but it also informs um, the who on what content they need to produce yeah, to, to combat. combat the noise. To head it off. And I've seen it because I've seen, you know, if, if, if who is anything, they are a social media company. Mm-hmm. You go onto their Facebook page and you see how much content they produce, you know, amazingly cool graphics. Yeah. You know, they've got obviously loads of designers, teams, yeah. loads of people who do kind of social media. They must have hundreds. I think that's mostly what they do. They are a propaganda machine. Mm-hmm. Now, their propaganda might be the right propaganda, but it's still propaganda. Sure. Believe what we think. Don't believe anyone else. No, totally. And Guys, you know, if can you help us out? If you see dissenting opinion, either shut them down, get one of your fact checkers to write a bogus report that basically dismisses them by ad hominem them, mm-hmm. or let's just generally smear dissenting opinion. Another example, The Who put together a um, how to handle anti-vaxxers, 50-page document. It's out on the public. You can go Google it. And it's, yeah, this, you know, anti-vaxxers, let's characterize who they are other alternative beliefs, if they don't like, if they're anti-vax, they usually have these beliefs as well, X, Y, and Z. Um, there's no point in arguing with an anti-vaxxer because it's like arguing against religion. So what you need to do if you're ever in a public debate with an anti-vaxxer is you have to focus on your audience. You have to focus yeah. on convincing the people that are sitting on the fence to go with your position. And what's your position? What are your arguments? Scientific consensus. Yeah. How can all the world's scientists be wrong and you'd be right. And then they talk about all the, you know, it's just layers. There's five or six major pillars of this 50 page document. They say you must use in order to basically quash an anti-vaxxer in public, but don't try and convince them because there's no way about it. But it's all ad hominem within this document of like, these people are contrarian, difficult individuals. They've gone down the rabbit hole. There's no saving them. Um, And it's, it's all designed with one intent, whether it's, you know, Bill Gates influencing media, how much ownership he has of um, fact checkers, yeah. whether it's um, BBC, the yeah, fact that BBC. Bill Gates owns editorial on Guardian for global development or another philanthropist called OPP, Open Philanthropy Project, which are strong vegan activists, how they own um, Animal Caged on Guardian. They own that editorial. They pay 800 grand a year or the editorial, that editorial did not exist until they started funding the Guardian for that editorial space. And Guardian produced a piece every three days in that section with, on four, 
OPP and OPP have active activist groups. They have lobbyists. They have people writing law. They have a multifaceted propaganda machine and a kind of activist machine and Guardian are the mouthpiece. So when you look at that and you look at what's going on on social media, you look at censorship, you look at what who's doing on how to ad, hom- ad hominem people mm-hmm. elegantly, you go, I don't like the world we live in, man. Right. I don't like how... I don't know whether I'm living one big lie because everything that's hit me, whether it's saturated fat's bad for you or meat gives you cancer (laughs) or, you know, all this nonsense about COVID-19 and the risks and, Hey, you've got to save your granny. Like it's all built on emotion and ideology. There's very little science. Mm. Science, my friends has left the building in 2020. Oh, 150%. And, and, Again, that they that when when they, it serves their purpose, science is a moving uh, sort of a, a a moving. It's a moving sort of a piece, um, and that's why they didn't quite get it right. Um, however, when you question their science, the science is solid. It's kind it kind of also it's it's always always what fits the narrative. Um, <laughs> funny, you're going back to the the Facebook thing earlier as well about obviously them in cahoots with the who. I've also found uh, that uh, they they came up and admitted they couldn't actually filter that um at that level of posts so what they're now doing is they're doing it with ai so it's even now just being done by ai so this this censoring that's happening isn't even being done by fact checkers uh, apparently and they're now gonna being, get it wrong a lot of the time as well 100 percent. i mean no it, go through millions and millions and millions of posts a day and not mischaracterize a post as misleading when it was just opinion piece definitely. you know and that's exactly what i had right they, they are they are closing down on opinion pieces because they're using technology to resolve an issue. And you know what? They may be doing something for the great good, Nikki, but mm. I really don't see it as a great good because they have chosen a lane. They've chosen a side of truth. Yeah, yeah. And truth should be up for debate. Impartial. And it should, should be, be the truth of you, the individual. Yeah. And it should be based on science and it should be robust and it should be allowed to change. Mm. And it should come from multiple people and disciplines debating what the truth is with objective empirical data and science and that is not this year they've chosen a path and i say they did put in you know put in that space put in the blank whatever they means to you but they have chosen a path for this year which i'm i've been saying to people from since day one nikki that um the government our uk government had a plan of action that got documented as early as march maybe even earlier around how they would manage their response. And it's pretty obvious to me that they have been steadfast in keeping to that schedule, Mm -hmm. that schedule of events and activities and the boiling of the frog Mm -hmm. in terms of the, you know, the increasing requirements or restrictions on people's freedoms. None of this is by chance. Our immediate kind of knee jerk response for lockdowns and restrictions. They're not immediate. They're not knee jerk. We knew there was going to be a flu season. It happens every fucking year. We knew that they the knew year the before data. was low. They knew that they knew they got a susceptible population. Mm-hmm. They know if they're going to lock people down, people are going to get worse. They know that their NHS runs hot every single year, irrespective. Mm-hmm. They know all of these things, and yet instead of spending six months trying to get you healthy, so you are less susceptible, uh-huh. they made you less healthy, more worried, more anxious. Your stress hormones are effectively suppressing your immune system. People's mental health is down the toilet. The ambulance uh, service are are serving are, are going to thirty seven incidents of suicide or attempted suicide a day. Mm-hmm. Last year it was twenty two. Mm-hmm. It's almost double in a year. In the five years prior to that, it only went up 
a fraction. In the last year, it's gone up almost 100%. This is sickening mm. that we are not having a debate and a discussion on people's real holistic health, health of mind, health of body, and health of basically society and opportunity instead. Yeah. We have this myopic and reductive focus on one thing that's not particularly risky, and they conflate information. There's hyperbole left and right. It's selective information. It isn't science. And the plan has been to effectively walk us up to increased surveillance, health passports, and vaccines. Mm. And if you think I'm a fucking conspiracy theorist, you just watch the yeah. next three or four months play out because all of those things are going to happen. They are obviously going to happen. And they have been advocated by our governments and by the WHO and by governments all over the world. They are happening. Mm -hmm. And you then have to think, well, are they good? Maybe. But they were designed in to the schedule as soon as this started kicking off from the get-go. Yeah. And yet we had these conversations online that it's not about the vaccines, it's not about the money, it's not about health passports, you're talking nonsense. Well, well I don't think these these conspiracy theorists look too nutty now to me. No, and I must not. admit, I've been you know, opening these critical thinkers into my community with open arms because... I respect people that think for themselves. Question now, I don't everything. respect people that can go, you know, I, I don't want to engage with people that go too far in that and start being too hyperbolic like that. You know, you've lost me when you go too far. But I respect people that are going, you know what? There's something more to this. And I've done my research and I've looked around and I've understood this. And, you know, I'm just trying to work out what's going on versus just accept what I've been given and then submit into, you know, and comply with nonsense ideas like masks and social distancing in the you know the umpteen rules and how many people you can and can't see it's, it's bollocks it is. and people need to stop saying there must be a reason why they're doing this as in for the greater good it ain't for the greater good it ain't for public health it ain't for your health no. it just fits a plan whether it's, that plan is good or bad for us it's a plan and they're sticking to it totally no i couldn't i couldn't agree anymore and i, I think that's actually one of the other markers that i've i've been using Again, because of my background as well, and obviously what I'm going into um, work-wise and, and sort of like vocationally, um, I just thought that on day one, when this thing first gets sort of announced that, yeah, it's come over the water and it's hit America, it's hit the UK, day one, Bill Gates is out there already talking about a vaccine, and they didn't even know what it was. They had no information what it was at all, but vaccine was already straight in there. Obviously, we know about Event 201, which, again, whether it's just really, really poor timing on their part, um, what they actually discussed in October last year is play for play what's actually happened. Um, and then there was the, the the bigger thing from my point of view. It was like, well, when are people, when, when is anybody in any any position of uh, authority or from the medical uh, sort of, uh, or the, 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 the sort of UK government medical background going to come out and start giving sort of health advice? I mean, I, I did a, a podcast for my website before I had a podcast uh, back in April about vitamin D. And the, the multitude of studies that had already been done way before this ever happened, um, all about um, basically how uh, vitamin D had been shown to uh, sort of actually regulate uh, respiratory issues because of its uh, regulation of ACE2, which is basically how they all gain access to the system. And it, this is exactly the same, by the way, that it's, it's been confirmed, enters the system through ACE2 molecules in the nose, uh, and then it gets um, into that system and takes over the system. Uh, you have ACE2 near your lungs, not too much, but what it does is when it takes over the system, it ramps it right up and that ACE2 gets produced massively by the lungs, by the heart and by the GI tract, which is why it's having these effects on 
all of those areas. Um, and this was this was something that was um, out there very early on. So rather than sort of, I mean, vitamin D3, if you take it and it doesn't work, it's not going to hurt you. And we all need vitamin D3. We're, we're deficient, but not one mention about it. I then did a follow up in September because uh, the world's second most powerful supercomputer had confirmed that vitamin D3 needed to be taken. What it does, it doesn't uh, combat COVID. It, it basically reduces your um, potential of contracting it. And if you do contract it, it's been shown to be much, much reduced uh, in severity and stops any long-term effects. Um, and, but rather than sort of put that out to people, they've, they've literally started saying about vitamin D in the, maybe the last month. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm a so-called quack, um, a sort of complementary medical associate, um, uh, a practitioner, and I'm supposed to be the one that doesn't know what I'm talking about. And I've, I and my community have been talking about this for nine months. Um, so why is this information not out there? Why, why, are they not be, why are people not being told about uh, eating a more balanced diet and here are ways that you can do it uh, on a budget, etc.? Why is there no push at all whatsoever towards that? Why is there no um, sort of emphasis on people actually becoming responsible so that when these sort of things happen in the future, we are not those compromised people? Um, you know, I just don't understand it. It's not about giving people agency. Agency is the last thing we want right now. The last thing we want is for you to be an individual. Mm. Damn, geez, no, Mm. no way. What we want is for you to want what the government have to give you. Exactly. It's a bit like Stockholm Stockholm Syndrome, maybe not, but it's this idea of as there's there's this all-powerful state Mm -hmm. that's looking after you it's going to tell you what to do and how to do it for you to protect you. And they need you addicted to their offering of data information and guidance Yeah, and giving you agency. So therefore your risk drop, your, 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 so your fear drops will make you less compliant. Totally, yeah. And this is, you know, for, from day dot of, you know, managing groups of people. Yeah. Managing through fear is an effective strategy. It's not a it's not a strategy good for the people, but it is an effective strategy to get people to oh, comply massively. to your requests. Massively. And so therefore, that's exactly what we're living in. Mm. If I enabled you to know that you're not at risk, and this is how you reduce your risk even further, and you know, not only for COVID, but for everything, I can put you in optimal health. That doesn't then then what's my role like i've made myself redundant yep. now are you going to listen to me when i try and scare you be like no you've just told me how healthy i can be i'm healthy so you know do one same thing and, and that i think is the reality the whole thing in vitamin d 100 percent. we are we are solar powered creatures mm-hmm. and unfortunately we do not we do not exist in the sun anymore like yeah. you know we are in a box when we you know we go to bed we wake up we're in a box mm-hmm. we get fully clothed fully clothed we then drive in a box we go to a box office uh, and we go on a box train and we come back you know maybe we go to a box pub or a box bar or a box gym and then we come back home in to our box home mm-hmm. it is we we don't spend any time outdoors most yeah. people don't and especially in the winter. And that's why there is a winter resurgence of all causes of diseases, including respiratory ones, because when we become deficient in vitamin D, which is a strong immune regulator, so it has 300 or so processes in the body. We have vitamin D receptors all over our body. But one of the things it does in particular is it regulates cytokine storms. So when you have an inflammatory response to something such as an infection, Mm -hmm. um, your body has a multitude of immune system responses, most of which 
emanate around this idea of inflammation, which is yeah. a good thing in acute issues. But if you have a lack of vitamin D, it's like you ha- you don't have a break on your car. So the cytokine storm basically just grows exponentially yeah. and you're unable to rein it in because you don't have enough vitamin D in your cells. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we see is when you see these people that are dying, they're dying of pneumonia that leads to ARDS, which leads to organ failure and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's because the body is in this cytokine storm of basically a a problem just exponentially increasing because you don't have enough regulatory compounds. And one of those things is vitamin D. So I totally agree. But do you not acknowledge, I mean, the the thing that I find most um, uh, sinister with this year's activities is that there was an acknowledgement that obesity is correlated with diseased outcomes and specifically COVID death. So therefore they then set up this campaign. I don't know when it was June, maybe they said, we're going to, we're going to get people fitter again. And they put this splash out on the news and, you know, Matt Hancock done a piece. And then there was this idea that the PHE are going to start pushing out all this content, help people get, get fit and healthy. At the same time, they've got this eat out to, what Mm. was it called? Yeah. Eat out to help out. out. Yeah. Whatever it was, I don't know what it was. And then it was basically subsidizing shit food. Yeah. And, I, they got this launched this thing in June and everyone in our space was like, yes, you know, finally, you know, this conversation is now pivoting to really, this isn't about germs. This is about the terrain. This is about you get you healthy and everything, every external pathogen, every external insult, you are much stronger equipped to be able to combat that elegantly yeah. and healthily to get yourself metabolically healthful, healthy, address your, uh, metabolic syndrome, uh, address your obesity, and there's really easy ways to do that. Yeah. Okay, well, there's really simple ways to do it. It might not be easy, but it's simple. But instead of that being the start of a, a sea change in how our government engage with public health and our people around improving their public health, mm-hmm. it was it was just it was a it was they were pissing in the wind. They'd done something for uh, like a day, a couple of days. It's completely gone. Why are we, we should be leaning in on that now more than ever, because the reason we have a flu season is because people's health decline Mm -hmm. because of vitamin D, because they start spending more time indoors in poor ventilation, because they eat worse because it's the winter and they want comfort food and they drink more probably as well. And there's just more indoor stuff and there's not enough activity. Like they're the reasons they're the, the moving parts here. Yeah. The viral transmission may increase. I agree that that too is something to do with humidity and temperature. But for the most part, it's not the virus. It's you. Mm-hmm. You change throughout the year, not the virus. No. And so why is that not front and center? Why have they not subsidized Tesco's? So when you go into Tesco's, all the fruit, veg and meat is basically half price. Yeah, it's cheaper and than all the crap All, all over of the, the shit stuff, all the processed stuff is the same price. Make that harder to buy yeah. and make the, the good stuff the human appropriate diet cheaper. Mm-hmm. And and why don't you spend some of your propaganda dollars? <laughs> because we know we have a lot of that. Subsidizing it. Prop, you know, propagating these ideas and make, and why don't we smear you, Nikki, for being out of shape and not caring about yourself? Why don't we make it socially inappropriate? Like it is socially inappropriate to smoke now. Mm-hmm. Why don't we make it socially inappropriate for you to eat like a pig or just make these wrong choices or have too much drink or, you know, let's make it difficult to lead an unhealthy life. So it's cheaper to live a healthy life and it's not cool to live an unhealthy life. We could have done that because let's, let's be clear, Nikki, over the January, February, March, people's worldviews 
got rewired, yeah. like completely rewired. And if you I speak think. to any psychologist, they'll say, you can change people's opinions, you can change people's actions, but you seldom can change people's beliefs. Yeah, yeah. They're ingrained um, blueprint of who they are, you know, their moral standards, their ethics, that kind of stuff. You know, you, you build that early on in your life, like, you know, five, six, seven years old. And that defines you. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very, very difficult to change someone's belief structure, just like it is difficult to change a devout Christian to becoming an atheist. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yet that's the power of propaganda, not just a one-off piece or an article or one piece on BBC, 24-7, hundreds of pieces of information hitting you every single day for months has gone, has created this change in people where they've gone you know, life's normal. I'll go about, I might get a cold. I might get a flu and it's absolutely fine. Chance of me dying and negligible. I don't even think about it. I care about maybe crashing in my car. I care about, you know, maybe someone mugging me or, or, you know, all these other forms of dying, you know, chronic diseases, but no one was stressing about getting a cold, right? No one, nobody, no one was scared about, you know, viruses that they'd say, okay, maybe you're going to use antibacterial, maybe you you know, hand sanitizer, just so you're not dirty, generally hot, general hygiene, mm. but no one was shitting themselves no. about the boogeyman. And now over a space of just a couple of months, the propaganda machine kicked into gear and it's changed you fundamentally as a person to be scared of your own shadow. Yeah. And that, if you think about how powerful that is, imagine if we use that for good, Nikki, mm. imagine if we use that same propaganda machinery, social media, and basically oh, pound, Dollars all the time, all day. Yeah. To work, to indoctrinate you to realize that the only way, the only cool way, the only vibrant way, the only socially appropriate way is for you to be healthy. And actually the better way we, for we you. We could have done that. The better way for you too. I mean, again, let's not hide from it. I mean, I think, again, coming back to being worried about offending people, we're getting to this point where we're worried about offending somebody that might be unhealthy uh, and again, we, we, there are there are caveats to it. There are things like obviously, um, obviously, it's difficult for some people on the the money they're on. I know there's a bigger picture. Uh, however, if you think about if we were to go on a massive drive on health for people, and again, I don't know, have some sort of penalisation in place. I mean, we're all paying for the national health service, and we're paying for people that are unfit. I mean, I, I'm a smoker. I, I am somebody that would have to realistically give up smoking uh, to, to obviously. Um, obviously on, on this sort of model too. So I think basically giving people a bit more of a responsibility for their health. And, and I'm not saying obviously we're under an NHS taking uh, care away from people, but really putting it on uh, based on their actual habits. And again, the issue with that is, is you're going to have to have some sort of a way of keeping an eye on that. And do you then go down the, the rate of, uh, the, sorry, the, the um, do you go down the sort of side of things of surveillance again? So I suppose that it's a balancing act with anything, but I think there are ways to do this. But again, actually, rather than getting it across to people that this is an attack, actually getting across them that their life would be so much better if their health is better. Um, it's not just about taking pressure off us and and obviously, but we, we should all be in a position where we're making sure that we are in the best possible health possible for, for, for when we do get older. Um, on top of that, I mean, this I think this has also emphasised this whole thing here about uh, looking at the vulnerable and the elderly. We really do need to look at how we sort of do throw those vulnerable and elderly people to the side. You know, I mean, in some circumstances, how many how many elderly people prior to this and, and irrelevant of this virus die of loneliness, die die of these these things that again um, we should be looking after. And again, coming back to my sort of political stance, I do believe that the people that need it that have put into the system all their life should be looked after as as much as possible. And I actually think 
we've got less and less of that um, from a government le uh, level. And actually, it's also fed into people to an extent over the years. So I think we need a, a bit of a reset with regards to the way that we do things in general. Um, and and it, it, all, it all starts at, at uh, personal responsibility. You know, be yeah. responsible for yourself. Um, and again, there will be exceptions to the rule. Like I said earlier, there will be people that need our help. There will be people that have an accident that they can't help and they, they, their life is changed. You will have people that are... Um, born with, with some sort of, uh, obviously, some sort of uh, thing that holds them back, some sort of disadvantage. Again, look after those people. Um, but again, I think we just need to re, re, uh, just reprogram how we do everything. Um, think, uh, think about this, man. Um, everyone has been up in arms in what, on, one, on one side of the camp or the other mm -hmm. about NHS. Yeah. Either they're going to be overwhelmed and let's protect them, yeah. or it's a bit of a shit show generally yeah. and it's, you know, leading towards collapse mm. because we have an incredible public health burden on a system that isn't equipped to handle that burden. Mm. Right. So you may sit on one side or the other of that discussion, but here's the reality. People getting all, you know, twisted, you know, about this idea that cancer treatments are going un unaddressed. Cancer yeah. diagnoses are going unaddressed. We've probably got 50 thousand undiagnosed cancer individuals uh, people with cancer in this country that haven't been diagnosed because they haven't been screened because of this whole whole thing this year exactly. and we know you can go through any of these kind of chronic diseases whether it be diabetes 70 75 000 or so people that haven't been screened or uh, you know monitored for the last six months you know this Dementia. is going to lead to some seriously bad outcomes we know that but mm -hmm. let's step step back for a second we can get angry that these services haven't been delivered, but we've fundamentally got a system that doesn't penalize you for behaving in a way that, drives that you to it. creates chronic decision, uh, chronic diseases. So for example, diabetes is not a chronic disease. No. It is a disease that unless you've got type one and it's hereditary and you got it early doors in your life, type two, which is the predominant form of diabetes, Lifestyle. absolutely is you can place into remission and you can live a diabetes free life if you take the right choices. But what have we got? We've got a system that says as soon as you are on the prescription list, you get that prescription for life and any other prescription you get is also free. Hang on a minute. What about if this healthcare service that we have, they're not, it's not so much. I, I, I think it should be privatized, but I do believe there should be a consequence of, of chronic healthcare. Yeah. I'm not saying like if you, if you have an accident or, you know, you're pregnant, you know, like, please like give that service. Our acute care services are bang on amazing. Amazing. You know, we, we would not have advanced as a, uh, as, as a society, if it no. wasn't for our resolve around dealing with acute problems. Yeah, sure. But if you have diabetes and you're going to need to have metformin or insulin and it's, why, why didn't I say, do you know what? For the next year, we're covering the bill. Thereafter, it's going to cost you £10 a month. It doesn't have yeah. to be a lot. Whatever the price is of these drugs, it's going to cost you £10 a month, maybe £20 a month, maybe even only £5 a month, but it's going to cost you something. You might say, do you know what? I'm paying for my NHS through, through PAYE, et cetera. So I am paying for it. No, you're not because it's indirect. You don't feel it. You don't realize it. But if I said to you, it's going to cost you £20 a month for your medication and you're going to have it for life. 
but you don't have to have it for life. Yeah. And you know, we're going to cover the first year, but that's it. We can't, we can't keep covering it. How many people would change their ways because they don't want to spend 20 pounds a month 100%. on medication. They realize they don't need. Now, if we, if we continue that across, you know, um, literally, you know, whether, whether it's cancers, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, um, heart disease, ischemic disease, whether it's, um, um, hypertension, whether it's diabetes, even whether it's dementia, right? Most of these diseases have quickly, we are realizing, are a result of metabolic disease. Constant chronic dysregulation of our metabolism, which screws up our hormones and screws up um, all the systems, energy systems that effectively lead to proliferations of cancer or high blood sugar in the case of diabetes and, you know, um, high blood pressure. That's a result of too much chronic glucose. It's not Mm. the salt. The salt exacerbates the problem, but it's not the problem. So what about if we said to you, there is a way out and your early stage in X, Y, Z condition, and these are the means in which to resolve it. And if you don't want to resolve it, this is the medication. We understand you need to, you know, you need to work your your lifestyle out. We're going to pay for this for a year, but beyond that, you're cutting you're you're cutting the check, and it's still going to be subsidised. It would normally cost you hundred pound a month. We're cutting we're cutting a lot of that check ourselves, but you're paying for it too. I'm telling you, man, if that happened, combined with propaganda to make you healthy and and kind of a little bit smearing so you don't want to be unhealthy and all the stuff we spoke about and subsidising the food system. Wow. Imagine what our health would look like in five years' time. But guess what? That would be a massive blow to the pharmaceutical uh, industry. Uh, you know, literally, I've got written down here. I was <laughs> like, there is, the, there is a massive problem with that, obviously, coming from my background. And the industrial food industry. Yeah. I mean, neither of them will want that to happen. No. I mean, coming from my background, obviously, I mean, going even further than that and, and actually admitting that, um, obviously, a lot of the approaches we did take uh, uh, prior to, to the pharmaceutical sort of era kicking in did work. Um, don't get me wrong, we might not have had some of the um, sort of extraction methods and, and technologies we currently have now to, to make sure that we were using them in their best way. Um, so that the understanding might not have been quite there, but they, they were used for a reason. Um, whether it be going thousands of years ago and someone actually taking something and realized that something that they were suffering went, you know, that's quite an easy way to sort of judge something um, right the way through to obviously it, it did get more um, uh, sort of more advanced toward the 1900s. But like you say, the problem that you have there is, is even, I mean, I think people don't realize, especially when you speak to British people, they're like, well, it's the NHS, it's free. It's like, no, no, no. Just, because it, just because it's free, the pharmaceutical companies still make a hell of a lot of money and they still That's obviously true. have deals with NHS on which drugs are going to be pushed for which illnesses, etc. Um, and, and again, when you look right into it, it's very rare that any illness, as in chronic or acute illness, is actually um, treated by these medications. These medications are symptom management. Um, yes. and, and again, you, I could go really sort of off the scale here, which I'm not going to do. Uh, I will recommend um, a, a documentary to you if you haven't already seen it called Heal um, on Netflix. I um, and it's, I it's all about the power of the mind. I mean, it's not just about power of mind, but it's, it's, very, it's very eye-opening, um, very scientific-based. Um, but again, it's... it's, it's um, that they did a lot of studies, which you probably know about these studies, many studies on on uh, medications that were supposed to work, where they gave people a, a sort of a placebo and they, they've obviously told these people that this has been recently discovered, it will get rid of this, it will get rid of that. And obviously it puts them into a mindset where they're very positive 
Uh, and there was a, a very, very sort of direct correlation to the amount of people that actually got over those illnesses on sugar pills. Um, so that's how we're getting our vaccines out so quickly. Exactly. And, and, and I think also, I mean, that there's very little science. I mean, again, what, one of the main things, one of the things that shocked me when I got into my industry was um, actually uh, when, when a drug goes on to the, the market, actually all they need to do is prove that it's safe. They don't need to prove that what they're actually releasing it for it actually does. So as long as they get that that sort of stamp of approval in the pharmaceutical industry that it's safe, it can go off and it can be sort of a, um, it can actually be sort of advertised for whatever. I'm whatever not sure want. if that's strictly true, man. I mean, yeah, I, so that, I that's know, the whole, I that's a lot of the clinical trials do absolutely look for um, effect. And if the pharmaceutical um, manufacturer doesn't yeah. see a positive effect, they, they usually... Uh, they that, usually stop the clinical trials. That's right. It doesn't. It doesn't mean they, they have to. It doesn't mean they have to. It doesn't mean that right. if they have something. So, so um, Viagra is a good example of it. Viagra wasn't actually ever brought out or, or um, meant for what it actually ended up being. Um, it got released onto a market um, with something else in mind, and obviously one of the side effects that actually ended up being uh, quite a, a positive one for people that suffer in that area. Um, but yeah, but actually, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying a pharmaceutical comp, uh, company would necessarily, necessarily do that because obviously is their money in something that doesn't work. I think there's probably from their uh, eyes, there's obviously got to be a return on investment. Um, so if they've got something that just physically does not work, then they're not going to release it because it's going to be financially detrimental to them. However, the actual law, rules are as long as it's safe, they get to release it. And that is actually the thing that's holding CBD back. Um, CBD can't be released as, and we can't claim any medical benefits or anything like that at all, because at the moment there's not a, a study which scientifically on their end, so like a government study uh, on a large scale, which has it gives it that stamp of approval. So that's why we're being sort it's of... Never, uh, it's never going to be approved. No, exactly. Uh, and again, there's a just... way for it to be blocked, it will be. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, as, you, as you and I spoke on the episode, you were on my show, it mm. doesn't serve anybody... No. Uh, of you know there's a lot of people that make can make a lot of money as uh, of you know cannabis let's let's be clear mm-hmm. but it's not the pharmaceutical industry no no definitely not <laughs> these guys <laughs> are so powerful they have lobbyists all around the world they are a lot of them are you know felons right you know mm-hmm. they, the amount of criminality that has been you know criminal lawsuits that have been won against pharmaceutical companies the big ones all the ones that we know you know hundreds if not billions of dollars have been have been processed already and continue to because there are injuries and there are claims against them on a constant basis. Definitely. And there's also not just their products cause harm. In many cases, like in GSK, there was there there was some scandal, a hell of a lot of scandals Lots. about them pushing pushing stuff onto GPs and basically having GPs sell out so they can push their drugs over other drugs. You know, these guys get caught out on a constant basis of manipulating justice. Um, lobbying governments, backhanders, they are so powerful. And they, as you say, they spun out of oil money. Um, I am not saying that pharmaceutical industry is null and void, should not exist, doesn't serve a purpose, because we've got to think about what else they do. They've provided acute medicine. Completely. They've yeah. provided A&E products and services that have saved people's lives in moments of need. They have made, um, you know, given birth, uh, you know, an easier process. Um, we don't lose as many people to infection because of our, you know, our, our cleanliness measures they're able to, you know, institute around hospitals. That being said, the biggest 
vector of viral and bacterial infection is actually hospitals, right? So let's be clear on the COVID data. And I've gone through it. I've gone through all the COVID data across all the NHS trusts. And I can guarantee you, when you look at the data, there are more people by an order of magnitude, say up to 80% of everyone that is, you know, a COVID case in a hospital is a COVID case in hospital because they got diagnosed with COVID when they're in the hospital over five to seven days. So we... That's, that was a bit of digression, but the point is there are lots of good things that we rely on that are necessary and helpful to the way we run our lives that come out of these pharmaceutical Oh, 100%. Products. No. I think but, anybody that has a different opinion is wrong. The money that they make on acute care is insignificant. Insignificant to the money they make on chronic care products. Statins, blood thinning medications, pain uh, pain medications, um, diabetes medications, cancer therapeutics, yeah. vaccines, antivirals, you name it, this kind of stuff. And then all the clinical testing that goes with it and look at all the PCR tests. And like, there, there is a lot of money all under the guise of quote unquote chronic or preventative care, not on acute response to a problem. And if we could take our pharmaceutical industry back to focusing on, on acute care and letting our public health organizations focus on public health, yeah. we would be in a better place. Oh, so much of that chronic stuff would go it. overnight, literally, but just by changing our habits to the way that we, we should. So there's so many of these these habits that we have that we know um, in, in a lot of instances create it. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of um, the external environments we can't do anything about. I mean, obviously, well, we, we can do something about, but obviously pollution and things like that, then they obviously are a little bit more out of reach. Um, but like I said to you on, on that podcast that we had, I mean, um, sometimes you can't do everything on a list um, to, toward your health. But if you're doing none at the moment, you're definitely going to get ill. If you can do 10 uh, out of a 20 per person list, you're going to be in a better position. You know, it's all about doing enough to, to sort of uh, get yourself into the best position uh, possible. Um, it's really, really funny as well. You say about the, the pharma side of things. I mean, it's uh, it, the frustration is, I mean, if you go into to, to Trump, I'm, I'm kind of hoping um, purely because of what he did to the pharmaceutical companies uh, a few months back. Um, where he sort of made them fix prices and he's, he's sort of kind of taken them on. Um, also, the fact that he didn't take any money from lobbyists. Um, we, we know the pharmaceutical industry is by far the largest lobbyist um, uh, spender in, in the US over over sort of like the last 30 or 40 years. They fuel in the left, right? Because oh, exactly. they're not giving as much money, right? They're exactly. not able to influence as much. And, and if he, he's sort of taking that on and he, he's hitting that head on, I mean, obviously that to me is a positive thing. Um, now, again, like I said to you just now, and this is something that anybody uh, that I sort of work alongside in, in my industry will agree with. Anybody that says that uh, uh, the, that uh, we don't need the pharmaceutical model for for some things is, is completely wrong. But it's normally stuff like, again, you have an accident or, you know, uh, 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 that there's these these other things are in our control if we take control of them. Uh, you know, I mean, again, and you'll see a lot of that in this heel that I'm talking about. Um, Think about, um, you know, um, uh, you know, early births and mm. that kind of stuff, exactly. premature babies and, exactly. you know, the, the intensive care they offer for you know, little newborns that have done nothing wrong. It's not, it's not yeah. a lifestyle choice no, exactly. that has led them to, you know, being born prematurely, having these conditions and what so forth. And isn't it amazing that we, we have dropped infant 
and kind of baby mortality down to basically zero. 100%, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing. And I would not say let's get rid of that. Not no. at all. And if a kid is born with a genetic disorder or something that's predisposes them and it's not their fault, should we have systems in place to support them? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But being the playing the devil, being a devil's advocate here for just a second here, and this is going to be harsh. And I spoke uh, about this with Dr. Kate Shanahan, who said, "Like this is not this is a prickly subject, but you as a parent, and specifically you as a woman, a year or so before being getting pregnant, during pregnancy, and a few years afterwards, your health through nutrition and so what important. you decide to intoxicate or not your body with." will have a material impact on the development in utero, in uterus, as well as, you know, the pregnancy, as well as the baby's development. And the building uh, blocks. It sounds harsh to say it's your fault because that's not the intent here because no. we don't know. We're acting with our best knowledge and information. And if you knew more, you would do more. I'm sure every parent would agree to that. If I knew more, I'd do more. But the reality is we're not told just how significant um, – the, you know, a, a, a mother's health is even before getting pregnant. Because if your body's broken and diseased and out of whack and dysregulated and hormone dysregulation and, you know, you've you're taken too many pills and potions and or too, too much drugs and or you're chronically deficient on so many minerals and vitamins, yeah. that's not a good environment in which to build, develop a baby from no, nothing. That no, process totally is amazing. And our bodies get to do it. Mm-hmm with or without us caring for us. But imagine if you cared for your body, the chances of your baby only not only being born healthy, but then developing into a healthy, robust individual with less allergies, totally. less uh, other symptoms, ever chronic conditions. Like kids are getting ill whilst we're saving lives. Mm. They're getting, they're developing chronic illness earlier and oh, no, earlier and earlier. Diabetes, we're seeing diabetes in kids. That's child in abuse. It's child abuse. And, and, and that is... It is or it isn't. I mean, well, I think no, you may or may not know whether they are doing any harm to the child. No. But once you know, it's all on you. Yeah, you and I think, I, mean? I think it's child abuse. But again, we've got to take away, not the excuses, but the, the genuine reasons for it. So again, there are a lot of people in the, uh, out there that aren't in a position to be able to afford necessarily. And, and I, again, I, I know it can be done very cheap because my mum had very little when we were growing up. She was a single parent. Uh, she had three three children to raise, and my, my brother stayed with my father. Um, but we didn't have two pennies to rub together. She was doing two jobs, but she I, I can remember she would come home pretty much uh, once a week with a a massive sack of uh, sort of potatoes, you know, massive bulk buying, loads and loads of vegetables. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had I had roast dinners very very often because we were getting our vegetables, we were getting our uh, our sort of food that way, and it was the only way that it could really be done. Yeah, but it's, it's a bulk thing, isn't it? There, there is a way. But I mean, I think all, all the time that the, the health services aren't pushing that. Um, and like you say, if the health services were pushing that and identifying that and, and it was like um, it was like known, I mean, it is known, but it's, it's like the, the, the elephant in the room. No one talks about it. If it was being pushed in, in that way, then obviously government um, sort of could then start looking at policies that push it that way, you know? And again, people will say, well, it's going to cost a lot of money, but just think about how much money the health service is going to save anyway uh, by oh. by reducing obesity, by reducing um, sort of diabetes. Again, just by making sure people have 
um, just a good level of fitness. It's not, it's not going to cure everything. I mean, there are people out there that say it's going to cure everything. It, it won't happen overnight. I think it would probably happen over a, a number of generations if we were consistent with it and everyone did it, but it's I not going to... I don't know, gonna... man. I, I think it could happen overnight. Yeah, but much what, what I mean is... Spent, like, money is not an option. This year has proved it. Yeah. Right? Let's be absolutely yeah, clear. Yeah, it's quite obvious. If, the if we need it, it's there. We are and have spent yeah. on everything and anything, a lot of which has been propaganda messaging into, into media outlets, mm -hmm. and then, you know, billions and billions on trace and, uh, track and trace. And, 11 billion. And hundred, you know, five, six, seven, eight billion on vaccines. We've spent hundreds of billions of dollars, mm. um, pounds in this country already today it is incredible of our kids when money you want to spend <laughs> we'll spend and you know what we've changed from a society that walks around like quote unquote normal yeah. to walking around masked right, change can happen in an instant man let's sure. not talk about this taking generations this can happen quickly mm -hmm. but government our leaders have got to be motivated to want that change and we have got to be sold that that change is the future yeah I, th right? I, th I mean more the the results of it won't be overnight i mean obviously you're going to get people are much much healthier i mean obviously oh, they're, no, they're, no. they're going to be digging themselves out of a hole to get themselves back to to square one that's what i mean is that is the results yeah. um but again generationally um your children's children maybe even your children if you catch it early enough but definitely your children's children uh, yes. are going to be born on the right footing they're not going to be having these hereditary um, issues that I mean some hereditary issues are issues that are just there that you can't do anything about it a lot of them are there because of the poor health of uh, of the parents you know that they are unnecessary hereditary issues that get passed down as well so again it's just giving them the best possible bloody footing to start their their journey into this life you know and I we did it as standard me and my wife did it as standard my wife was super super I mean she, we're quite healthy anyway but she was super healthy through the entire pregnancy um, all the vitamins you should be taking, all the exercise you should be doing, all this kind of stuff, breathing, meditating, everything. And that was our focus. And I don't understand anybody else who wouldn't have that focus about bringing a new child into this this, this world, which needs, needs to be something that changes. And if it has to be yeah, forced, it has I, to be forced. I agree. I, I, I think it's multifaceted. As, as yeah. you've said, it's, you know, what age was that Was that mother and, and, and father? Um, how much money do they have? Yeah. How ed how educated are they generally? How yeah, yeah. educated are they on nutrition? Mm -hmm. um, are they um, just listening to the kind of consensus view yeah. of what health is, or have they really understood health? You know, there's so many factors mm -hmm. that would say, you know, if you have a kid too early and your head's not in the right space, there's a good chance you're not going to make all the right decisions from a health yeah, perspective. Yeah. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one last point I wanted to make make on the the kind of consequences of good health to your children. And again, this was a conversation with Kate Shanahan. She said, um, you know, through, through studies and um, uh, observations of what happens in the body and how babies are generated, um, your health, if you, you, if you are basically soaking in nourishment, the right nourishment, yeah. and you don't have a lot of kind of toxins and um, uh, nefarious kind of substances in your body through processed food principally. Yeah, yeah you give your body the best chance of creating a symmetrical, well-structured baby. Yeah, exactly. When you have chronic deficiencies, you're growing a baby with less building material and less room to grow generally. Like she was explaining it much more eloquently than I yeah. can, but net net, she said that beauty, physical beauty has a correlation to the health of the parent and the health during pregnancy. And what she then went on to say is 
you will typically find that siblings that are um, born two to three years apart, that the younger one, typically, not always, the younger one who's born two to three years later, typically has some, uh, their, their, their bone structure is not as, not as a, um, robust, robust as yeah. their, 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 their sibling, that they might be a little smaller, yeah. that they might be a little weaker generally, they might be a little more ill. And she said the reason for that is that having a baby is so demanding takes on, a long time. on a female's um, body and systems that they get deprived. And if they're not eating well during pregnancy because they're eating what they think they should eat, but they're not eating what they should eat, yeah. um, they kind of really deplete the, the her, her resources. Their body's basically empty by the time she's had a baby. And then if you basically get pregnant again within, you know, nine, 10 months and they weren't, she wasn't replenishing her health afterwards. And then re they repeat that cycle. That second baby is born with less resource. Um, so she talks about giving a, a good few years between them. And she talks strongly about robust, op, you know, human appropriate health uh, and diet during, uh, you know, the idea of conceiving, at least, you know, at least six months beforehand, ideally a year, definitely through pregnancy and for a few years into obviously, you know, breastfeeding and, you know, being a dependent for that child. And it's just, it's taboo to say that health or diet can change your bone structure. Do you have a weak jaw? You know, do you, do, does your face look quite narrow? Do you need to get loads of teeth out because your, your jaw structure is too small? But all this stuff is connected to the building materials of how you are developed. Have you got have you got mental issues? That could be because of you know some some issues of mental development and brain development, the physical brain development, when your mother was completely deprived of, of omega threes and X Y Z. So uh, the, the point I want to make is health is and diet is so so important to everything. It is the big rock, and I think if we could really hammer home whether it be about child health, whether it be about child beauty, whether it be about your health, whether it be about you're going to have to pay for your chronic disease medication, whether it be about, you know, um, reducing your risk of COVID-19 or dying from other causes or having less cancer. I mean, we could put a, you know, a straw man together of 10, 15, 20 different things that robustly hang together that say, there's a lot of benefits here you get your shit together around how you eat and we're going to subsidize and make that possible. And we're going to propagandize good health because we've been propagandizing bad health for too long. Yeah, totally. I think that's what we need, man. I just, I, I'm not in power and I, I know that the powers that be will not make that happen anytime soon, but that's the solution. But that's the good thing about the internet. I was talking to somebody the other day, um, cannabis cutie that I had on the show and we were talking about obviously the medicinal cannabis and the fact that there's no one pushing that and they won't do that. And obviously the power of the internet now allows people like us to do that and again as long as we make sure that we're we're informed we're, we're we're sort of balanced in our arguments so we do also give the potential negatives if we're talking about a specific thing um and obviously we we document all the research we put into it we can get that message out but like you said we are up against it because we don't have those those little letters after the name i mean what one thing i can do i can definitely verify a lot of what you've said there um about the sort of uh, eating healthily because First and foremost, my kids are beautiful. So my wife out very well. So that's that's obviously worked. Um, our children are three um, three years uh, apart, just over. And our second born is a little bit shorter. Um, but yeah, we're right on that limit of three years. My wife being extremely uh, sort of health conscious 
um, trying not to uh, to do too many of these these faddy diets that obviously take stuff out and actually really sort of just focus on on balance. And I think that probably has helped. Um, but like, yeah, coming back to the the thing of of taking their goodness, she she did actually break a tooth in our I think it was our second pre- uh, pregnancy, and again that was basically down to um, uh, sort of lower levels of calcium, the calcium being taken out. But obviously. Uh, she was taking the, the right replenish your body when it's working so hard and exactly um, we're, we're told just to eat loads of fruit and veg but that's not the building materials no. of human beings the no. building materials of human beings is animal based nutrition exactly nose to tail no parent no parent is told that no. so you can eat the quote unquote healthiest diet and really try and keep it clean but if you're not eating animal based nutrition especially during pregnancy you're doing a disservice to your child yeah are you, do you do you follow paul uh, saldino yeah i think it's great man yeah. i mean i'm not a carnival uh, but uh no, no not in any way shape or form but um he and others um have really amplified the significance and uh, imperative the human appropriateness mm-hmm for animal-based nutrition to be the center, if not the dominant part of your diet. Uh, and that's absolutely the way I live. And I, I'm robustly healthy. So is my family. My kids love their food because they know what's good for them. And what's good for them is the fat yeah. in that animal-based nutrition. And that's they actually my favorite bit. For it. <laughs> and they're not fat. They're well-mannered. They're healthy. They're vibrant. They're both intelligent. They're both physically able. There's no issues whatsoever. And, you know, we didn't have the best start for them. We didn't know what to do when they were being born, right? You know, Michelle was chronically deprived of nutrition and she didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And we see the consequence of, you know, baby one to baby two is that the, the, the younger one is much, much smaller. Yeah. And she had some issues. And that's not Michelle's fault. It's not my fault. We didn't know. No. But if we could replay the, our cards, we absolutely not necessarily would have spaced them differently, but we would have lent in on nutrition in a way that Michelle didn't know. She was doing the best she could, but she wasn't being particularly well nourished. She wasn't, if we look back on it. No, I see what you mean. Uh, And again, like you say, I mean, it's it's one of those things you can self-educate in anything, but you've got to know where to look in the first place. So um, when when you're not being in any way driven to anything, it is completely up to you to find your own way. And again, what are you looking for? It's not like you're going to sit there and, 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 uh, while you're having a baby, uh, even think that maybe that could be the case with your second child. And you know what I mean? Although although it's a little bit of common sense with regards to being healthy, um, being healthy isn't necessarily what we're talking about when when someone's cooking a baby. You know, they're, they're literally building a life in their tummy and, and it's it takes it to another level. Obviously, just being healthy as you and I would be probably wouldn't be enough when you're actually um, obviously... Uh, pregnant because you're actually providing for yourself and and that that beautiful baby at the same time um and a lot of people again i just eat very healthy i do i do everything right and and it will still end up with these issues because that information is not out there and again we know it now and it's about us getting out there because like you said unfortunately governments aren't going to do it and and unfortunately the more people that know this information the healthier we become the less less uh, customers um their sort of puppet masters have or the people that sort of obviously um, put most of the money into to, to deciding what kind of um, a, a sort of route they take. Uh, coming back to doctors as well, I mean, a, as a complementary medical sort of practitioner, I don't actually hold anything against doctors. They are they are trained in their pharmaceutical world, and that's all. Uh, they're not exposed to any of the others uh, other measures. And that, like you say, once they get into that that profession, it is very involved. It's 70, 80 hour weeks very difficult for them to, to have time. I mean, it would be nice for a, uh, for a few more of them maybe to 
uh, be a bit more open-minded and maybe spend a little bit of time looking at some of the research out there into into the natural approach that we know has no side effects has no sort of uh, other caveats that get um, sort of other health issues that get why, created from it. Why would why would they do that, man? Why why would they do that when um, it's not supported by the institution in which they work and they can't they've use got, it anyway? They've got a, they've got a mortgage, exactly. they've got a car, they've got kids, mm-hmm. they've got other pressures. Uh, life may or may not be great. You know, they might be working night shifts. That shit in its own right. You know, that yeah. throws your body off. Um, you know, probably having subsidized food in the canteens of the hospitals, yeah. or they're working in the GP one session after the next five minute. You know, slots, ten minute slots. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's hard graft. I can totally. imagine it's hard graft. And as you say, even if they learn better, they can't even prescribe alternative. Yeah scenarios they can't say do you know what you know this diabetes thing you know it's really because you've had too much too many carbs exactly. so can we talk about having a low carb diet and, and i'm going to not prescribe you anything i'm going to ask you to follow this regime mm-hmm. of eating and i think we can get you in a good spot within two or three weeks how about that yeah they, they don't do that maybe because they don't want to know it maybe because their worldview they don't want to shake their worldview but i, I suspect it's also because the nhs don't support not, that yeah pressured not to and like, like you say i mean that's the thing they're exposed to what they're exposed to i mean it's, it's not really something you would expect i mean it w- i mean i think if they were to uh, on on day one like you say they all get into the the uh the sort of world that they get into because they want to help people uh and i think with any industry again any industry and, and also any part of life when when you're in this sort of western world you do get sort of um gradually um sort of worn down i think maybe and i think in an industry like that probably you go from really wanting to save people to yeah really want to save people but I'm, this is where i'm going to stop i'm not going to go any further uh, whereas maybe that the, the 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 younger sort of doctor that got into it if they knew of these other alternatives i'm sure they'd be like yep yeah, give it all to me but again we just get conditioned we get sort of uh, worn down uh, and like you say even if they did know about it they couldn't do much other than send someone my way but it's 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 frustrating i mean it's very frustrating. It'd be nice to have some more advocates out there, um, obviously pushing this because again, we would benefit because uh, we wouldn't be paying such high um, sort of costs for the service we have in place. And also the service we have in place could actually be um, that, that funded in areas which are going to be a lot more useful to, to everybody. Um, but I suppose all we can do is keep banging that drum and sort of coming on shows like this and talking about it and trying to raise a bit of awareness for people to take their own responsibility. We it's been uh, it's been Nicky and Steve against the world today, hasn't it? I've just realised one we've been speaking for two hours yeah. and two, we've covered the whole gamut. We have. <laughs> to be honest, I said to you, I was really excited about this conversation, and 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 I mean, you'll hear the intro that I've done. Basically, um, I, I I sort of like when we decided to do this two weeks ago, I started writing. Not not a plan because we weren't going to do it scripted, but a little bit of a plan just to pull us in and just to have a little bit of structure as to things that um, we, we 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 could cover. And I tore it up. Uh, I tore it up. I thought there's just so much that's happened. What with obviously the announcement over the weekend here, um, obviously it being the U.S. presidential election campaign, uh, sort of end of the road today. There was just so much. I just thought, you know what? Let's 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 tear that up. Um, I mean, it might leave us out a little bit of it exposed. I mean, I do want to mention one thing. I've written down here. We did cover the Black Lives Matter thing, and, and while I was saying I don't think there's system, systemic racism, I do believe this racism exists, and I'm not saying to anybody out there that has um, experienced it that it doesn't. I'm not being dismissive. I wanted to get that out there. I, I actually, my, my wife is actually um, Egyptian, so uh, my, my kids are uh, of connotation, so I just want to get that clear to people. But yeah, I think it's been nice to cover a lot of these. I mean, we could have gone into more detail on one specific and stuck on one one. Um, topic but i just think they're all they all overlap 
I think they really do. And I think as we as this pans out over the next few weeks, I think we're going to realise just how much they overlap if 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 uh, things uh, today go the, the direction that we think it might. Well, I think in in closing, um, I would just like to say that. I know I sound a little bit cantankerous and a little bit frustrated and a little bit angry. Rightly so. Um, it is it is true, right? If that's what you think is coming through, that's because there is elements of that. Yeah. And I'm an optimist and I am, I am a positive individual. But when you are willing to be contrarian enough or at least willing to potentially have a dissenting opinion mm-hmm. if it meant you speaking the truth, or your understanding of the truth, um, you start to see how pervasive Definitely. the layers of lies you live within are. And this year um, has brought out the best in me and the worst in me. Yeah, Because I have had more arguments this year than any year I can care to mention. Totally, me too. I have had more dispute. I have had more frustration and anger at people. I've had more despair. I've had more apathy. Um, and I've been incredibly distracted from the other things that I'd intended to do this year. And some of those are okay. You know, my business has developed as a result of, you know, my commitment to try and share the truth around COVID-19. Yeah. And that's great. But there's many prices I paid for that commitment. Sure. So, I, I want to acknowledge that I may be coming across judgy and angry. No, I think um, you're balanced. I think, it, I, think, I think you're balanced. I'm sorry to interrupt you there and interject you. Because I, 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 we're made to feel this way because we have a, an opinion that maybe doesn't go with the, the popular narrative or, or not necessarily the popular narrative, the, the government narrative, the one that we're told that we need to tie the, toe the line on. And I think that basically we are made to feel like we need to apologize for um, actually having an opinion on that. Now, when we come out with an opinion where we just shout and scream at the top of our voices and we make no sense because it's all a conspiracy and everyone's against us, fair enough. Those people need to be sort of uh, put to one side and told, come back with a, a coherent argument. When you're actually coming to people and saying that the figures are being given to us by the very people that um, that uh, are giving us our um, sort of our imprisonment for the next six weeks and when we actually go into their figures and not just the little element that they're sort of harping on about and putting in the papers we can realize that that's not the picture I think we're naturally going to get frustrated and and I don't think you've come across as uh, frustrated or cantankerous or even um, forceful in your point I think you've come across as uh, as a generally uh, obviously frustrated by the scenario that we're put in uh, and the fact that obviously they're there is this divide that's being drawn up by the by whatever is going on, whatever it is, whether it is just a really, really stubborn government that just don't want to admit they've got their figures wrong or whether there is something larger going on. I think it's got to a point now where we're also a little bit sick of being accused of being negative or bad people because we're not just swallowing it. Now, I, I've always lived my life since uh, since I, mean, I know I'm talking a lot at the moment. I'm sorry about this, but I want to get this across. I've always lived my life, um, at least for the last uh, 20 years, of question everything. And it started on a really, really silly thing. Now, I'm a football fan. I'm not going to tell you who I support. I was watching my team's press conference in full in about 2004 on the TV channel that they own. I then switched over to Sky, and I was somebody that watched news. I bought the newspapers. I did all this stuff. I put Sky on and then watched how they portrayed the um, the press conference. And it was so unbelievably 
different to how it actually went. It was such a bad misrepresentation that straight away I started questioning. And that's why I, why I question narratives, media and things like that. And I've always been at that point of question everything. It doesn't mean that everything that's being told to you is a lie. Um, but I think we need to actually question the narratives and look at the, the, the sort of uh, data that gets us there. And when there's something that isn't right, it needs to be spoken about and people need to be told about it. Whether they want to hear it or not, that's up to them. If they want to get personal, that's down to them. That really is. But don't stop doing what you're doing, thinking that you're being aggressive or, or frustrated or angry. That's not the case. Uh, we're naturally frustrated because the position we're being put in by the, the people around us or the people that are supposed to be governing our, our countries and giving us consistency and giving us information, and they're not doing it. Yeah. So well, sorry to interrupt you, you on that. I'm, I'm, glad, don't... I'm glad that it doesn't come across that I'm just some... Uh, someone who hates the world because that, that really isn't the case. I, I genuinely come from a place of care. Mm -hmm. You know, I've given up a very successful career and given up income, yeah. quite frankly, yeah. for a Good couple time. of years to develop a business that is really built on trying to demystify what it takes to lead a good life, to live your best life, to be your best. And um, yeah, it's in part, part selfish because I want to live my best, best life, but I don't want to, don't want to hold that information to myself. And yeah. therefore, you know, I know I'm a caring individual, but I do lack empathy for when people are stuck in their paradigm. Yeah. And I think that's probably what's coming through, right? Is like, you should know better. I <laughs> think actually, it's more how about... Can you, how can you know better unless you're told it, right? So yeah. I guess I want to dial... I just want to make sure I put that caveat in it. Yeah. But most importantly, I am an optimist. I wouldn't be putting in as much effort into trying to pro provide you know, the truth and, uh, and an alternative perspective to the scaremongering that we're receiving this year, if I didn't believe it was worth doing. Oh, totally. hundred percent. Me too. I, I do believe it's worth doing. I do believe we have this year is a seismic year, but it may not be the seismic year that leads to dystopia. No. It may be that transformative year where we get a better democracy. Collectively where wake we up. Get a, get a government that has to, start listening to us and has to start putting us first. Cause we got, we, we got their number. We yeah. understand that their motivations aren't around public health mm -hmm. and they aren't around about me as an individual they aren't about my, my agency and my opportunity. It's about masses for them. And I get that, but I don't want to live as a number. No. I want to live as a vibrant individual doing the best I can. And if you want that, we're going to need to start demanding that. Yeah, definitely. And that can come from many things. But I, I, I believe, you know, step one is you need to get outside of your own discomfort mm -hmm. and your own vulnerability of speaking out with a dissenting opinion. Yeah. I think we are being conditioned to be scared of being smeared, ad hominem attacked, cancelled, generally uh, <laughs> labelled, and therefore... We don't act because it's too consequential to act. We'll lose friends, we'll be judged, we'll be ridiculed. Yeah. And I would ask everyone who's listening to this and going, you know what, damn straight, I feel exactly the same way, but I just don't want the grief. I'm asking you to suck it up. Yeah, suck because, it up. Yeah. Because you, you should want to be on the right side of history on this. Yeah. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but really... This is what it comes down to this year. Are you going to be on the right side of history? Mm -hmm. Are you going to stand up for what you believe to be right, which is not just the freedoms and opportunities for yourself and good health for yourself, but the good health and opportunity of your family? Because my, I've got young kids 
they're too early to really have a, have this materially affect them, and we've insulated them from a lot of the nonsense. Totally, yes, but I'm they're right. soon going to be in a position of having to interface with the world, yeah. um, needing jobs, and I don't know what they're walking into right now. Honestly, I wouldn't have a kid this year. No, would I? Not I wouldn't. Given, given the direction of travel, I wouldn't. But that doesn't mean we can't change the direction of travel. But it does require that we together say, do you know what? We elected you government officials. Sounds like you you haven't got any control of our of what we want. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna demand change in our political system, and we're gonna demand change in our leadership, and we're gonna demand change in the government acting on the best interest of the people. Because I think that's possible. I think it's more than possible that we can vote for someone that has patriotism that isn't you know just singing along to some globalist agenda but actually cares for the people that they have been you know that have voted them in we need that and i know that that's what kind of trump is offering i don't know whether that is what he's going to give i'm not sure but we need a leader in this country that goes i'm putting my people first yeah. And I'm going to respond to them. This isn't about me, my self-existence and, you know, my career and, you know, me schmoozing with others and my paycheck. No, this is about me doing, being a dutiful, incredible, courageous leader doing the right thing for our people, which means maybe doing what Sweden are doing. Okay. It's like taking a step in the right direction, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's unpopular, if it doesn't meet the consensus. And I'm asking people to just do that. Like, it's not about being different for the sake of being different. It's not being a conspiracy theorist. It's not about just trying to be contrarian and be a rebel. I don't want you to be a rebel. I just want you to stand for what's right. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do that. So I'm optimistic, Nikki. I am. I'm excited that I think we're at a precipice of of change. If only we can get enough people to say we need we need things to be different. We this ain't working for us. You want putting us first, whether it's our health, our mental health, or our opportunity, and we're going to vote differently. And uh, I'm, maybe I'm being slightly too optimistic and rose tinted, but it has to start with the people. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not all doom and gloom, but we've got six months, a year of trying to navigate the nonsense. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. So we just got to kind of keep strong. Um, realize we're going to have dark days realize that if you're going against the narrative it ain't going to be comfortable i tell you man it has not been comfortable this six months for me not at no, all no, it's no, been no. horrible right. but at the same time I'll, ha I'll have moments of going i'm proud of what i'm doing mm -hmm. i know when my kids can ask like what did you do to fight for my my, my freedom my opportunity you know what you know our health gone you know i've done the best i could yeah. You know, I really stepped up for you. I took the heat for you. I, you know, I took the heat for us. I took the heat for everyone because I had something to offer and I wanted to offer it. I didn't want to sit on my hands and just go, Hey, what will happen? What can, what will happen will be because I can't do anything about it. No, we can all do something about it in our own little way. Yeah. Um, I know I sound like, like some like preachy politician, but it's, I just think it's really important right now that we, if we are a little bit angry, a little bit frustrated, or just don't like the direction of travel, you can do something. The question is, what is it? Can you do? Only you can answer that. Mm -hmm. But stop sitting on your hands and stop assuming everyone else is going to do it for you because we need everyone to speak, not five, six, 10 or 20 yeah. people. We need hundreds of millions of people around the world and tens of millions of people in this country 
speaking out for what's right for them. Yeah, we, we need we need everyone again. Just to add to what you've just said, we need everyone that's actually sitting there thinking and agreeing with us to come out and actually stand by their word because straight away that's the problem. As soon as these numbers come out and they realise they're not on their own, they won't feel so exposed. But actually, on the flip side as well, anybody that's listening to this that doesn't agree with what we're saying, I mean, I I, I implore you guys to start engaging in a conversation. Uh, and I know you think you engage with a conversation. I don't mean sort of just throwing back um, that the information that we're, I don't know, from the actual newspaper article that we may be discussing. Actually agree to look at some of the charts or some of the information we've got. Don't assume it's all nutcases on YouTube in a, a, a sort of like a, a newsroom made at home that are all just spouting off complete nut, um, nutty sort of conspiracy theorists. Actually look into some of the data. Actually open your mind to the possibility that even elements of what you think are true may not be true. Then make your mind up, you know. Then then get involved in a conversation. Let's stop this this sort of like one side, other side, all, all rucking with each other. And let's actually be, be a bit more sort of, I don't know, a little bit more productive of what we're doing and actually bring ourselves back whatever together. Whatever you do, it's time to not, to stop sitting on your hands. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way i'm not trying to offend anyone but this shit's too important it is too important this year just to go it will blow over that's what people told me in march that's what people told me may that's what people told me in june that's what people told me in august Mm. guess what it ain't blowing over it ain't blowing over until we can stop these psychopath egomaniac individuals just going off on their on their mission that has been predefined, whether it's good, bad or indifferent from us, I don't like it. And I want a say in it. Mm. And therefore for me to have a say in it, you know, we've got to stop this management by decree. Yeah. And that means people have got to start demanding more like Simon Dolan, et cetera, paying with his own money to take these guys to court. Yeah. He's probably not going to get anything from it, but he's stepping up. He's doing what he can with his resources. Yeah. And everyone's got the resources he's got. People don't have the, you know, the mathematical literacy to do what I do, but what can you do? No. So you're no longer silently compliant and submissive to what is queer, clearly an authoritarian, authoritarian regime. It's not going well. No. And I, I, once you give power, once people take power, they don't give it back. So I'm just worried that this direction of travel is going to lead to more, more, not ty- tyranny is a strong word, but definitely an authoritarian type regime. It, it doesn't become less of that no. until the people say no. I think about what I'll say. Is I'm going to leave a little thought for the listeners and also, also for yourself. Uh, I know you think about this anyway, but imagine or remember, we were talking about it earlier. Remember your childhood. Remember the days when we didn't have mobiles. We had to go home when the streetlights went off, all this kind of stuff. All these things that you see that come up on Facebook that are, are lovely memories Imagine that. Now imagine the childhood that our children are going to have, what they're already experiencing, uh, the freedoms they're having taken away from them. I mean, my child started school this year. Her first foot into a school is being put into bubbles. She can't mix. She can't do this. Again, they're all under the same cost. She's not any worse off than anyone else. But her experience at the moment uh, is very, very much different to mine. And I want that to, to be a temporary thing and I want it to stop. And I'm sure everybody else out there does too. I agree, man. I agree. Amazing, Listen, amazing thank conversation. Thank you for having me on. I really no, appreciate it. No, thank you for coming on. I've got to think of some sort of idea on what to not call the podcast now, but obviously the uh, the artwork. I'm going to try and think of how we, we pigeonhole this one because we covered so much. I think I'll just come up with something which covers literally uh, worldwide affairs. It'd be quite quite interesting to do. Now, I really appreciate your time, mate. Obviously, I know it's been a while. Um, I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. 
Um, and again, let's let's keep this going on a, a not not too often because I know you're busy, but let's keep this going. I, I love these these conversations. Um, yeah, same here, man. You're, yeah. you're a good guy, man. You're you're a force for good. Thank you for having me <laughs> yeah. on, man. And um, yeah, more than happy for us to get in touch every you know four six weeks. And perfect. Yeah, whether it's a rant or whether it's optimism or whether it's exposing <laughs> something, I think there's always a lot we can talk about, man. So I appreciate your time. Definitely enjoy uh, enjoy this evening and uh, keep those fingers crossed. <laughs> four more years <laughs> thanks buddy thanks for listening guys bye bye for now